to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is the 2006 Aronofsky picture, The Fountain, which might in fact be the prettiest picture ever taken by the man. Finish it. And perhaps any man ever. Uh, before we get started, talk about who's here, how we feel about the movie. Go ahead and pop in your DVD, Blu-ray, iPod, N64 cartridge, whatever you got. Press play. Press pause when the Warner Brothers logo fades to black. The first frame you perceive of all black after it fades down. Press pause in a second. I'll say three, two, one on pause. I'll press play here. You press play there, and we'll watch the movie together. It'll be in. I know this is weird. Perfect sync, right? It'll be like any other commentary, except of course this time it'll be with four friends in your head. And those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings, Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello, and Steve Hat Reedy. Hello. You just got a middle name because you're wearing a hat. I'm wearing a hat. I didn't really. I didn't really. <laughs> I got nothing else to go with. That was that wasn't a great plan you laid out for yourself. I, I yeah. I, I should have thought about. What He's your wearing name a hat indoors. Oh, our modern society. <laughs> how, how us damn kids. This uh. I, I look forward to this commentary an awful lot, uh, mostly because the best way to watch the fountain is with the sound off. <laughs> I don't think I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna, Clint Mansell's going to come kick your ass now. Yeah, This seriously. movie, uh, I saw it once, and actually I, I saw it half of once and then once. I, I came downstairs and my roommate was watching it, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Because I was watching the last 20 minutes of it, and that's you know the the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen in your life. And I'm like, I have to see this movie. And then I watched it again, and I was like, it's a little weird. I have to admit, I don't think I get this right now. But now my recollection of it is, I want to see The Fountain again, because it was so completely awesome looking. And the effects and the way they did them are so weird and stunning that it almost overcomes the fact that I don't think I get it. But I look forward to finding out, especially with Steve here. Brian? How do you feel about the fountain? I love the fountain. I always saw it in the theaters. I was in film school at the time, and oh yeah, <laughs> I'm a film snob. This really is this really is like one of the only films that I've seen that I'm like I. The only way to do it is to really get film schooly about it. Quite honestly, it like, is. You have to. It, oh yeah, yeah. This, we, we will, sir. This is absolutely one of those. <laughs> this is going to be one of those commentaries. Uh, film snobby kind of a films, which I'm a film snob, so I'm okay with it. I think it's gorgeous. Uh, are you a fan of Aronofsky? I am a fan of Aronofsky. Um, Big fan of Requiem for a Dream, right? Yeah. You watch that one every night. And... Well, the nihilist in me is. Oh, good. Um, I saw Pi in high school. Uh, blah, blah. Yeah, I, it's great. You you saw Pi in high school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, I saw Pi as a result of the first film class I ever took. So, and we had to bring in a movie and like analyze it. Somebody else brought in Pi. That's harsh. Every, yeah. every time someone brings in Pi, I get way more excited. <laughs> Dark Man, how do you feel about uh, The Fountain? I love this movie. Um, Why? Yeah, I saw it because it speaks to me. Now, um, to, to an extent, yes, actually. Um, it's very much about um, it's about coming to terms with death. You know, it, it, that that's what it is. And and it's. Uh, um, I mean, we'll get into it as we go. But my interpretation of the movie, which is certainly open to interpretation, is that the only thing that's really happening is the real world story. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know the 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 scientist trying to cure cancer and his wife, I think it's his wife or his girlfriend, whatever, the mm-hmm. love of his life who is dying. Um and the rest of it is just basically the the past story is her side of things, like her coming to terms with it by writing this thing. And then the future thing is just that's a little harder to explain. <laughs> I, it's basically what's going on in his head. It's a dramatization of kind of the struggle that he's going through internally, which you can't put on screen 
by just I mean you could by just having him give like looks and shit but but instead Aronofsky makes it into this, this is like bizarre... the, this is like the filmic equivalent of in a book someone describing how someone feels exactly so he just you it, can't do that without narration and even then it doesn't work yeah this is trying to do better. it trying to do it visually yeah so yeah. so instead he makes it into this bizarre sci-fi journey which I love about it like yeah. you know because it's like who would think to do that <laughs> but um so you know I I just um. I think it's great because he's telling a very simple story. He's telling, like, what you... I mean, if he didn't have those aspects of it, it would be like a Lifetime fucking original movie, right? But mm-hmm. instead, he, he adds these dramatizations and these kind of out-of-left-field <laughs> types of dramatizations. Um, so it wasn't... It certainly wasn't what I thought it was going in because I thought it was, like, about... going to be about reincarnation and stuff like that. And it's not, If anything, it's the opposite. It's like you die and that's it. And that's what the story is about. And yeah, just get you get used to it. You expected the, the three stories to intermingle in some more literal sense but they're really just metaphoric parallels exactly exactly but but i was i i at first i was like hmm but then i was like no i like that i i do like that steve how do you feel about the fountain and uh, what do you bring to the commentary uh i love this movie i think it's a masterpiece i saw it in the theater twice and i probably watch it twice a year since then i i think it's perfect because it has probably more depth in terms of the film school douchery analysis than any movie I've ever seen. But at the same time, all it is is... It's a, up there, to be a, sure. And it's, but it's, it's valid. It's, like, but it it's, is, yeah. And I, I promise you guys, I'm going to I'm gonna get all douchey up on this with, like, <laughs> you know, the analysis of it. I am so looking forward to this. <laughs> all right. So, all right. Anyway, oh, yeah, I like it. That's it. Steve we'll liked go. it. I am looking forward to having watching it with somebody who has put in quite a bit more thought into it. Yeah, I, I, was I like, do love it, but I haven't put in nearly that amount of see, thought. See, I put it, in so. I put in the the douchebaggy film school cuz there's some where it's like you're just analyzing it because you went to film school and that's what you do and it's like, dude, it's just, you know, like fucking It's just Ghostbusters. Just put Yeah, exactly. It's just Ghostbusters, <laughs> all right? The the dog does not represent communism or anything like that. It's just a fucking it's a terror dog. That's all it is. But um but with but with this movie, it is very much the kind of thing where it's like, what the fuck just happened? And you have to actually go into it yeah. and 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 dig into it to understand what he's talking about. And then once you do, it actually does it increase your appreciation of what he's doing here. Let's dig in. Get your shovel or spade ready at the point where the Warner Brothers logo is faded to black. Here we go. Three, two, one. Unpause. There, there's a here in the Warner Brothers logo. They show an office. That was actually my office for three years. So huh. you worked at Warner Brothers. Yes. In what capacity? Uh, Did you own Warner Brothers? No. <laughs> I got to be creative. Are we'll you the Warner that. sister? Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're doing like trailer editing and stuff, right? No, I did trailer editing before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, before that I was a pirate. Before that I was a ballet dancer. <laughs> Steve, what does this mean? Uh, this Dark is, man, someone explain Well, that's fairly, uh, that's fairly straightforward. That's just what's in Genesis 3, Wait, 24. And, and real quick, behind that piece of paper, they showed the Zabulba circle. You're yeah. going to see a pattern, a visual and audio patterns of circles, um, as in the circle of life, the wedding ring, eternity, that kind of thing. And just, and, and I mean, the circle of life, it's like you have to die so other things can live. And that's kind of the point of the end of the story. Right. That's and, and, coming along. It seems to have uh, exactly that. And then also infinity as a circle. Because right. that's what it, the, the wedding ring represents forever. Because there's no mm-hmm. beginning or end. It just, it is cyclical. Um, have you guys, do you guys know about the cinematography in this? The very unorthodox way it shot? No. Okay, notice all the camera angles are straight on, or straight left, or straight right, or straight above. You don't have any dynamic, super cool, like Zack Snyder, Michael Bay, Tarsum Singh, like, groovy shots. But see, we're directly above, see the circle motif going on? It's all very orthogonal in this. Uh, uh, this. No real diagonals going um, on. And, and there's, there's three 
perspectives, actually four perspectives, but there's three stories. Each is a different perspective on the meaning of life, like the Holy Trinity, right? You see that thing? It was a triangle of leather he just opened Mm -hmm. right there. Um, All over the place, which is also a temple, you know, that kind of thing. And and trust me, this dude thought about this shit, right? (laughs) That would not surprise me. Um, So each camera angle represents one of the different perspectives. Oh, and finish it is a thing that comes up a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. So each camera angle represents a different perspective of the meaning of life. Each is explored like medically, religiously, uh, astrologically in the seat. Why are we? Li- th- this is a very unorthodox angle. The seat shouldn't it usually be like a low dramatic angle of these dudes looking all badass, right? Generally, and and I think it's this sort of level of. Um, on the on the other hand, I will say in terms of Aronofsky, you know, he he tends to do the straight on camera. He did that in Requiem as well. Right. Um, you know, that's that's the to only- an extent his style. Uh, out just playing devil's advocate. Right. I mean, it is a very interesting point, but. Um, but to an extent, he does. He he just kind of rolls that way. A does lot that of times. differ between the three storylines, or is it always the way it is throughout the entire movie? Um, I I think it it gets heavier depending on like right now we're seeing so much. Yeah, we definitely it definitely gets a little a little looser in the real world uh, it, story. And but. at one and at one point he actually decodes it halfway through the movie when they actually look at um a map that shows like three points and then the the tree of life is in the middle. It's almost like the decoder of the cinematography of this. And I think it's genius on a film school aspect. And, and I love it just being a, a, like an, a fan of this as an art form. I wonder, though, if it's so deep that it's actually removing the audience from the casual experience. Um, that could be a problem. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, someone I mean, who's just watching that is missing all of the thought and just looking at this as a movie that didn't put any thought into well, itself. And then you're like, well, I don't get the conquistador thing. And why is the hole in the tree and the what? I don't get it. Is, it, well, is, it no, possi- I mean, is, is the point that it's impossible to watch this without getting film school on it? You know, because ideally you would want something that you could watch you could watch for the first time through superficially. Right, you know, the, ca- the casual story. viewing, as you said. The casual viewing. Right. And then you go back yeah, the this, second time, and then you see all the thing that's... This, is, that's I, I think this is not a movie that rewards casual viewing. I will absolutely right. agree with that. Which I, is, I think someday it may. Like, in, in five to ten years when the audience as a whole sort of evolve into, you know... Superhumans? <laughs> not, not film school douchery. I don't think we ever need to expect people to have to view things that much, because it's just simple entertainment, but... I think people will get this story a lot more in the future, the near mm-hmm. future. But what I'm saying about the cinematography is there's sort of a visual beauty. And you know all the typical things of like low angles are powerful, high angles are this. He doesn't take that to that extreme. He actually doesn't give us crazy, beautiful, dynamic cinematography because the cinematography is so story-based. But it, then it, it's an interesting philosophy, and I don't have my own philosophy too heavily on this, but when should cinematography be built beautiful? When should it be story-based? When should it be energetic? Because this is very unenergetic cinematography. Right. Whoa, that, that was a straight-up line cross. That's almost confusing. But Just from one from the left side to the right yeah. side, right? Yeah. But, but, um, but, but it's not actually a line cross if you're working on straight on, straight on those lines. I guess that's true, yeah. <laughs> Aronofsky's like, fuck your line. <laughs> but, I mean, fuck your line, my line. Y- you'll notice that it, it's extremely deliberate. The overhead angles, the straight on, there's a uh, geometry to the cinematography. Um, and he's actually talked about it. So this isn't just a theory. This is like, right. he's actually mentioned this before. Um, and I'll get into the Darren Aronofsky story later, but I, I, I presented this to him and he said I was right. So oh, if that right. means anything. That's cool. <laughs> well, there you go. Like yeah, you got. Th- I would do that anyway. If some if some kid walked up to me and just like rambled for like twenty minutes about so the angles and blah blah blah, I'd be like, oh yeah, totally. Oh sure, yeah. Bye. Spent like a month <laughs> thinking about that. 
and what and yeah you're like the you're like the lady <laughs> who who wrote to kubrick saying this is what this is what i think 2001 is and he went well all yep. right i, I get <laughs> we'll get in yeah. I'll, I'll get into the story right now just to get it over with and, and super quick i used to be a movie critic and i got to see a screening of this movie like you know before it came out at comic-con so it was just for like 10 journalists and then afterwards they always want to pamper journalists uh so they took us they rented out like a nightclub just for like 15 people Wow. And so Aaron Osby and Clint Mansell just like sat with us and were just super nice and, and we just discussed it. And I was all fresh off this movie. Like we had just seen it 10 minutes earlier. And I just like, I, f- I feel like a rare situation of I got every single thing he was going for. I'm like, dude, I think it's this, this, and this. And then he just gave me a hug and he's like, you fucking got it. And nice. I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah, this movie's going to make a million billion dollars. And, uh, and, and, no. and, and it made I, $15 million. Yeah. I came, now that's a beautiful shot while still being you know straight on you know i i don't i don't think there's necessarily a uh um you have to make the choice between story and a beautiful shot but but if you do then you should probably go for story i think this is practical this uh the flames the on this sword. sword in fact most of the stuff at which which i'm sure we were going to get into um pretty much everything here is practical as much as it can possibly be um, there's a lot. Of, there's a good amount of compositing that goes on, obviously, and that's digital. But it's mostly of practical elements, and we'll get into that specifically uh, very soon when we get to the uh, the spaceship. That's yeah, actually. Uh, it reminds me of uh, they had that ta-da. film festival a couple weeks ago where. Uh, Where'd his hair go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> good good ball cap, by the way. Ago. No, he shaved his head. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. So yes, Wolverine very good get ball, a haircut. Very good ball cap. Yeah. Uh, Chris Nolan did this Q and A. And uh, he was talking about how in Batman Begins, his uh, visual effects guys were really selling him hard on the whole, like, we want to make a CG Batman, you can do shit that way. Uh-huh. And so he gave them the shot of where Batman drops down the, the stairwell in Arkham Asylum. So right. Like, okay, here, do that, replicate that, and see if you can live up to the standard that I want. And they, and I love they, that look. They Go did. On. They brought it back to him. He's like, yeah, it's good, but no. But he, sa- he said the lesson he learned from that was... The the more you can photograph everything, the better things will absolutely. look. Absolutely, and, and so, you can tell. I mean, you that's, can absolutely you can tell. That's no. So I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the smart filmmakers. I would imagine that uh, Aronofsky falls in the same camp. Is photograph as much as possible. Oh yeah, I was so actually Steve, watching the RVD tube behind the scenes the other night, and uh-huh. you guys did substantially the same thing because because we agree. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we agree with the, with those guys. They're smarter than us, so we're gonna do what they say. Oh, but it is smart. So, Steve, <laughs> your theory is that this is actually a version of the future reality. This as, is actually, as, as opposed to a dream I sequence. love that shot, by the way. Just I, the, the whole relative yeah. motion oh, of space. And what they just did right there, they'll repeat yeah. every time they enter a new world. Aaron Osby's obsessed with patterns. I mean, you saw it in the hip-hop montage of Requiem. Just sort of the... In uh, Requiem, was more direct, but in this, there's subliminal. See that right there? He'll do that with Izzy's tummy when yeah. she's laying in bed. Same sound effects and everything. Um, what did you ask, Teague? Uh, your theory about the future is that it's actually a version of the reality? I believe this is actually happening. I believe as a doctor, he did cure cancer using that rare South American tree, which is, you know, has an allegory to the tree of life. Um, and, and he actually cures death. But that's, that shouldn't have been his goal. His goal should have been um, be with the one you love. So he updated his goal for the future. And then the movie ends with it, the future ending. It took him, like, however many hundreds or thousands of years to figure that out. Right. I See, I think... I guess that can work. I like it as a, uh, you know, I, I, I'm okay with this being a metaphor because because it accomplishes a lot of the same things you're talking about. If Izzy is the tree, then, you know, he's basically, um, even though he's supposedly trying to save her, he's actually he's actually tearing away little pieces of her to keep himself alive, you know? It's like, because he's so obsessed with 
not dying, whereas it should be just spending time spending with her, time. as we're as we're going to to see very soon when he actually does the uh, the flashback. Right, which is you know that that works equally as well, which mm-hmm. is cool. You know, then it's up to your personal. Uh, right. preference as the movie viewer. still works now, either way yeah um one cue uh i really like is uh he had you know he although i guess you win because aronofsky said you were right so <laughs> i guess there's no <laughs> no no, no need to argue about it not, not all these philosophies so a lot of this is open-ended you know um the the camera work thing is more what i'm talking about because i'm a cinematography dork um oh another thing is how he interweaves the editing here Sh- yeah. shaved head uh you know in in um you know, he's connecting the timelines now. Yeah. Shaved head, uh, talking, you know, the, the dialogue intercepts in between the, the two stories. Oh, yeah. Just the, just the really, first of all, the sheer logistics of kind of shooting it both ways and doing the whole thing, yada, yada. And then and having that certain amount of crossover from one to yeah, the other. Yeah. I mean, he obviously, and I, I read a version of the script. I don't think it, I wanted to read the Brad Pitt version, but I don't think I did. I think I read this version because it's very similar. Um, but, uh, he, uh, Great idea um, for a shot. Yeah. He um I, I'm very impressed by Hugh Jackman's performance in a lot of ways, and one of them is the fact that he he really does replicate kind of every nuance. When you're going back and forth, you know, he had that moment and we're about to see that again, but mm-hmm. without with non bald Hugh Jackman, with real real time Hugh Jackman. Um and uh and he he just replicates it. It looks exactly the same, his posture's the same and kind of the the angle of his head and the whole thing. So it's really very impressive. The Starfield's interesting looking. You don't see Starfields that look like that very much in in, in pop culture and sci-fi. Right. Well, that, well, they tend not to be. Uh, it's very dense. Culture. Very. Uh, it's. It's. I think what it's trying to say is that he's way to fuck out there. Oh yeah. And there's nothing in the way. Yeah. His yeah. whole. I mean, uh, um, Aronofsky's whole thing with this, in terms of the effects, going back to what we were just talking about and doing as much as possible practically, um, all of the stuff that we see out outside in space. Um, was stuff that they actually shot. That's actually microscopic photography, um, which which you know is is just fascinating in the sense of the the fractalness of of nature because it's <laughs> like you we you you go really small but you just make it macro and then it you, it's there's, totally there's no plausible difference. as the really big you know heading into a nebula nebula and stuff like that. So I mean it's layered together digitally and stuff like that, but it's all from real elements where they put like milk and paint and all this stuff and put electric currents through it and did this whole thing to and to make it they only spent $140,000 yeah shooting it yeah the th- versus well, the tens of millions if it was CG oh yeah and the the thing is this was in terms of the backstory of this for the people who don't know um originally Brad Pitt and uh Kate Blanchett were going to star in this mm-hmm. um and then like 6 weeks uh in, before they started shooting Brad Pitt pulled out for whatever reason um and the project basically fell apart and it was going to be like an and they had already started can you yeah. imagine how That's, devastating that would be oh, to it was, it was, there's there's behind the scenes footage where they there's you know they have a video camera the day they he finds out and he's just like this is the worst yeah. day of my professional life yeah it was, just a, it was 80 or 90 million he was they were going to make it for and then he went on to to develop other stuff presumably the wrestler and stuff like that um he was working on but he just kind of kept obsessing over the fountain he's like i need to make this movie i need to get it out of my system because otherwise i'll go crazy so he rewrote it to be because like the original bit where he's kind of fighting with the soldiers was going to be this giant lord of the rings ish thing and stuff like that um but he was like all right how do i make it smaller and he didn't want to do that anymore because lord of the rings and all these other movies gladiator and stuff like that it just he's like i think the audience is over it now you know when i when i conceived it it won't be impressive yeah when when if i do it now yeah when i conceived of it it would have been cool but now it's too late so he he just made the whole movie smaller 
and uh, this entire movie was is a thirty million dollar movie now with with Hugh Jackman and and uh, Rachel Weisz, as we've Weiss. determined Wait. her name is at this Wait. point. Real, real quick, before I forget, he was just tattooing rings onto right. his body yeah. one ring for every year that he's mr which is sort of a barometer of time using the pen she gives him to write to finish the conquistador book you know finish it and um so he starts when she dies he puts a wedding ring tattoo yeah. on him so he's actually he used- lost his wedding ring which is of course symbolic as well yeah to, to a large extent and, uh, so he's uh tattooing rings on him like tree rings you know a tree has a ring for everything. he said tattooing yeah <laughs> he's uh, tattooing rings on him tattooing doesn't have rings well, once again the, the, the motif no of transition. circles in this is just insane um and so he's actually uh he's in the circle biosphere so she as a tree is keeping his ecosystem alive in space she's actually keeping him alive um him ke- and he has to keep her alive which is sort of a thing like they should just give up keeping each other alive wait real quick see this hallway facing there left facing angle. right haha no, anyway. Facing left and <laughs> facing right, that's part of the decoding of the cinematography. Should he mm-hmm. go left towards her or should he go right towards uh-huh. the surgery? And at the end, he makes a different choice, right? Yeah. So uh, g- geometry, simple geometry of left, right, straight on, and above are repeated. Notice the lights, circles, golden circles. The color gold is all over this place. Look at that sink. No, angle, ha. Huh? <laughs> no, <hey>, sorry. <laughs> now you're just being mean. Ha! <laughs> no, but it, it's- I had to contribute something (laughs) (laughs) it's um it's the same you know those kind of details should uh have a purpose or a meaning in hopefully if it's done well in any story that you tell it's just the the more you can simplify all of those details the more you can align them all to some common purpose to some common structure the 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 simpler that structure can be the the more the stronger that that your work will be hopefully Right, which brings on an interesting theory of did he, did he overdo it or did he not? Like, is it right? Is it too simple? Well, I don't think or, I'm noticed. Exactly, I don't think <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's to the point where a it's distracting or b you would have to pick up on it to understand what's going on in right. the story, you know, or to so I right you would I still comprehend the basic sequence of right. events without. Yeah. I don't I don't think he over he overdid it, but it's it's nice that it's there. I guess <laughs> right. No, and, and I no, agree. It's, it's excellent that it's there. I mean, ideally, that's what all filmmaking should be. It should every filmmaker? You want Transformers to have circles in it? Huh. I, I want the same kind of thought put into you know shot selection and angles and things on scene to any movie. I don't care whether it's Transformers two or two thousand one. It's funny when you talk about that, Steve. It actually reminds me of uh, Mark Romanek and the incredible amount of thought he put one in hour one photo. hour photo. The- and then you know, one hour photo became one hour photo. Oh. Next movie, you know, like the whole world moved on. <laughs> it like devastated him, but he hadn't made a movie for ten years. I guess he's just now finishing a new one. But well, I, I think he put that much thought. Like everything's in a frame, you know, shit like that. Right uh, there, look, look yeah, up. we got um, uh, Subalba going on. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, the thing is, I think all these little details, ninety percent of people won't notice it. However, think of like um, Danny Elfman when say talking about scoring Spider Man. He talks about using sort of subliminal cues, repeating certain patterns, such as like the Peter Parker theme. Um, to make you think of Batman. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, he'll, he'll use like the Peter Parker theme at key points of like Spider-Man action. So you remembered of like why he's motivated to be Spider-Man because that theme arose like when his uncle got killed. You know, that kind of thing. So using subliminal repetition, your brain is obsessed with finding patterns. Uh, 
in general, that's its most powerful ability, finding patterns, whereas well, that's food, our, whereas danger. That's so, what our brain is. It's yeah, just that it's, our exactly. brain is an organ like anything else. That organ's purpose is to find patterns. To, to the point where it insists that there are patterns where there are none quite yeah. frequently. Exactly, which <laughs> which probably heavily comes into play with movie critiquing and uh, dissecting. That, that may Certainly. be true as well, yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, when filmmakers use patterns to their... Um, you know, to subliminally remind people of certain things. Sometimes it works extremely well. Rarely is it obvious, but I do think it has an effect. How much of an effect does it have? I don't know. I think its most powerful usage is in music scoring, actually, which this movie does extremely well. Um, it has, it kind of, it, it takes a cue of like Philip Glass in the hours where despite different times, he's using the same exact theme. Slight differences like tribal drums, of course, when they go into the Mayan empire. Um, but generally he's using the same simplistic character themes instead of the the mood themes of like in the future he's not using like synths and techno music and in the past he's not using like you know uh instruments of that time quite as a heavily didgeridoo a didgeridoo <laughs> actually he does use a didgeridoo. that I is think. that <laughs> is what they had in uh in, in inquisition spain in that, 1400s yeah. uh, central america that was a great reveal because the whole yeah. time they don't they, they make they're talking about out. him as if he's a guy like a yeah. person although there it. there are there are clues they do they do mention that they would have to euthanize if they if they mm. didn't do the the surgery, so it's like you see that and you're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But it, it, you know, it, it could be a clue, or you could be like, what? <laughs> he keeps shooting this room from the same angle, huh? I'm sure he. I'm sure angle. he just fucking set it up and he was like, go. And they spent half a day sh- covering the room, and he's like, great, we got we got 20 minutes of the movie in the can <laughs> today. See, they just called him Captain. Mm. You know, there's all these like, oh, the dialogue is very like, it's so micromanaged, right? It's it's very very minimal. He was like, you know, I, I don't think I would say it like this. Aronofsky's like, yes, you would. Yeah. Oh, it. it yes, you fucking. This is would. very like I said. I I read the script hoping it was the the Brad Pitt one, but it wasn't. Um, because it wasn't much bigger than this one. And literally, it's line for line. This like there. I don't think there was any improv at any point in this I, movie. Yeah, I don't think this is a movie that you improv. No, but they but they. I mean, uh, you know, you got to give them credit because uh, you know all the performances, which is what you do as an actor. But it really struck me because because it was it was so exactly what's written on the page. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, they really they really made it feel like they'd made it their own. You know, I was very impressed. Yeah, Ellen Bernstein. I think. I think personally that the that the work that the the writer does and the actor does and the amount of work that both do is exactly mm-hmm. the same. It's just the proportion is shifted mm-hmm. de- depending upon the script. Right. Sometimes the writer does eighty percent and the actor does you know twenty. Okay, that's fair. I was about I was about to just murder you with a bow and arrow. It's just <laughs> like sometimes it's yeah, the other way around. Brad Pitt but. and Andrew Kevin Walker did about the same on Seven. Man, <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, but then I can right. see that yeah, working yeah. with like Transformers. I, I think, or something. You know, Shia is taking I mean, Transformers away from the guy that wrote Transformers. Ellen, oh, Ellen. Best Ellen. transition ever. Sorry, I just gotta yeah. say, best transition ever. I think Art overall, it's the same rough amount of work. It's just who does the greater percentage yeah. of that work. Ellen Bernstein is really she does a great. I mean, everyone does a great performance in this, but she especially. Um, it's just what you does know, the bird mean? It's gold. <laughs> oh, bam! The, the bird is communism. He had it. The bird, <laughs> the bird wants to know what it means to be human. But, um, you know, you just watch her and, and his reactions to her. I'm like, how can you not just, like, want to hug her? She's so good in this and so, like, compassionate. Well, yeah, but you wanted to hug her in Requiem, too, especially. That's true. At, but the, at the end, the, uh, I didn't, for actually. For different reason. <laughs> at the end, I was sort of like, I don't want to touch you at all. <laughs> You're crusty. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to believe that it's the same woman, though. It's hard to it believe is. it's the same person. So this is uh, the first time we've seen Hugh Jackman since the Prestige on Down in Front. How's he holding up? 
He's really uh, he's good. I he's didn't realize good. how much I loved Hugh Jackman until I saw him open the Oscars a couple years ago. He's really good. He's he's he's, gr- he's awesome. He's, yeah. he can do everything. He's what they call a triple threat. Yeah. You know, he can just whatever you throw at him, he can do. He's an artiste like Britney Spears, and he does it. And he does it really well. Um, yeah. I mean, I I didn't see Crossroads, so I can't uh, I can't make the comparison with Britney Spears on that front. But uh, <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> oh, oh is, is that the hang up we have here? <laughs> <in> this discussion. <laughs> Wait, oh, let me let me get a little art direction upon here. There's a whole motif of uh, starlights everywhere, Christmas lights. You'll see the candles mm. in the conquistador temple. Um, God, Those were really cool. All. They look. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wish we lived in a place where we could see stars. Yeah. Uh, we do. We live in Hollywood. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Good night, everybody. Wow. So th- there's an, there's some uh, some more color stuff going on. God, this this is like straight up like in depth douchey talk. Uh, no, but go for like, it, man. Run, up. run, uh, run. She's always th- there's two colors going on. There's a lot of gold and there's a lot of white. White representing um the truth. You know, like accepting it, uh, accepting death and and finally being zen with this whole process. And there's gold, um, which is the stage right before that, which is being distracted by material things. Uh, and you'll notice she always has a lot of white going on, but then generally the movie has a lot of gold, and then he's generally not lit as heavily. He's wearing a lot of dark. But as I noticed, he's been dark this whole movie. As as the movie progresses, there's constant points. We saw one already when he got hit with the sword in the beginning of the movie. White light will flash on his face, mm. and then like after Izzy dies, he throws a doctor up against um, a window, and the shades fall down, and the light hits him. And they they're actually using white light hitting him in the face. As um, they, they actually white light hitting him in the face actually has his own story arc throughout this hmm. movie. Actually, I don't know if it's that moment or a moment later on, but I remember that that exact moment happening the first time I saw this movie. I went that that meant something right there. I don't know what <laughs> at this exact moment, but that was definitely the director doing something. Yeah, yeah. draperies don't fall down that easily because he he would have fixed it <laughs> and done it again. You know, it's funny. This movie, uh, I like its streamlined, low budgetness, but. This and then, like, say the opening Mayan battle, you could just so tell it's a soundstage. Oh yeah, which yeah. is a bummer because I mean, Aronofsky, dude, someday that guy is gonna. I kind of like that. I almost like that element of it in the the opening battle somehow. Just I, I guess I guess because it's okay because it's her because it's her story. So there is kind of a just kind of it, it feels fictitious instead of like a real place, and Look I, I that. like that about it for whatever reason. So how do you yeah. make this happen, Dorkman? Uh, I explained that earlier. <laughs> you you get up laser a beams and jelly really high powered microscope. Like it's some they they used um, the the lenses they used on this were some of the most expensive optics ever made to be able to get this much of a macro uh, look. Like they developed their own. I mean, they didn't do it for the film. It was just a place that happens to have done this. Right. And uh, and it's like a one hundred thousand times the magnification of whatever. Oh yeah, and they had to do. They had to do. It's like cells starching together. They had to pump so much light into there to get any kind of depth because the so iris macro. is so tiny. Yeah, so they they had to pump so much light in there that they literally they were cooking it. They they were cooking it, and they had to um, they had to wear cool. super. They had to wear dark glasses to shoot it because otherwise they would have gone blind. Mm. Jesus, movies are important. Yeah. <laughs> For for one time we shot something using a special camera in that sort of situation. We needed computer controlled strobe lights, and then so many lights that we had to go to a special place that had special electricity. Uh, uh, like the crazy regular, sp- regular electricity is not electricity enough. I walked in front of it for about five seconds and got sunburned. Oh huh. wow! And like my clothes cooked, like my shirt got cooked for like five seconds. Why did you walk in front of it? 
Well, I had to adjust something, and uh, I I didn't want to. I know. was directing, and all of a sudden, ow, and I don't like it anymore. Yeah, I just pictured yeah. Spock reaching into the thing. Mm-hmm. Rachel Weiss spends a lot of time in tubs, old-fashioned tubs, in an empty bathroom. Okay, this hmm. one and Constantine. Constantine. Jinx. And and I saw her last night. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this happened in the Mummy at some point. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I just fell asleep. I do remember a tub. Bed. There was a tub. Wasn't there a tub? I don't know. Was if there was the, a Maybe tub. it was the kid in the tub. Don't they like leave the kid behind and then he gets taken at some point and there's a tub I, in that sequence? That's the mummy returns and we're not going to talk about it right now. Uh, the <laughs> fact that I, dude, the fact that I wasn't even making that up startles and amazes me. Well, there was I a, no, I there was think a, I remembered there that. was a kid in the second one and he did get kidnapped. I don't know if he was in a tub. All but right. Anyway, M- we're not talking talk- about, about a movie not worth talking about. Stephen, what does the tub mean? Um, it holds water so it could be clean. <laughs> Oh but, wow, that's so deep. But, but, but it's been, white. She's which been, represents she's been cleansed. You see, she's actually no. She's. Uh, I, I, I'm not gonna no because I could. I yeah, could make yeah, that work. That's the thing. It's like with this. a movie like this, you don't know where exactly the line is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I continued along that line, I totally could have could make that work. But I'm not going to because <laughs> I would be making it up. What do you mean? It's it's a device to show that uh, she can't feel temperature. Well, yeah. And, and then they get to have their like. Usually, this but is where we not, play. That's not symbolic. That's literal. <laughs> she let's literally play, cannot feel temperature. And, and let's play the some, is killing her. Yeah, and let's play some rock ballad right here. You know, like this is the '80s sex sequence <laughs> right now. It's like, oh, uh, I, 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 I'm just gonna jump in the tub and get all wet because that's how much we're passionate for each other. And I always wonder in movies, this stuff happens a lot. But dude, cell phones. He just fucked up his contacts list. Yep. He's got a wallet. I'm sure he has his wallet in him. And probably he synced with iTunes a while ago. But that's so okay because they that's love why each other it, so much. That's why it suddenly became uncool about 15 years ago to push people into the pool. Like right. it used to be, yeah. it used to be uncool, but it wasn't mean. Now yeah. it's like if I push you into your into the pool, there goes your iPhone. Yeah. yeah. There goes all your money. Although you'd be surprised how resilient the iPhone is. I will say that much. <laughs> I've watched the headphones. Okay, if I push you into a Blendtec blender. Yeah, that's not... Well, that's just rude whether I got my cell phone on me or not. I've watched my pair of headphones twice, and Uh they still work. I'm amazed. They're mangled to shit now, but (laughs) they still work. They're still wet. I'm trying to figure out if we can make water mean anything. Eh. There's not a lot of it in this movie, though. So probably not. Wow, uh, that shot's going on quite some time, yeah. actually. I, I <laughs> Without think, the music, I'm you, getting a little uncomfortable. What's, what's funny is that they didn't I feel tell, like they, I feel like there should have at least been a dolly back. Like we're we're leaving now, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're stepping slowly. Yeah, as a, as opposed to just <laughs> just watching <laughs> Rachel, like assholes. What's funny is that they weren't. <laughs> Rachel Vice didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, all right, you go get for her. it. Get her. <laughs> get her, Ray. Get her. Go get. Go get the girl. Go get the girl, Hugh. Go get her. It's alright, he's been fixed. So we're we're talking about the Brad Pitt version earlier, um, and they made it a comic book. Did they? Yeah, which I have, and it's interesting because I think this is a more streamlined, better version. When it was bigger, uh, so they made a comic. That's what the producer supposedly said when Aronofsky turned in the the smaller draft, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's just the bullshit they always say because they're like, well, that's the one we're making, so we better just be happy with it. We better stroke the ego a little bit. Yeah, but I I mean, I can't even imagine what the bigger one is. Is the comic book available or does it just exist? Yeah, no, it's at like comic book stores everywhere. Uh Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't like it as much at all. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's still good. It still has the could, essence. Could you buy it off of Amazon.com using our down and front link? <laughs> yes, sorry, you can <laughs> no, sure. no, no. We're looking at uh, there's that motif there. yeah. of that well, upside down. Shot. Well, the, when, the, when people buy shit through our through our links, we get money. I I ah. I, I think we, um, the audience probably could have been trusted to to pick up on that one motif because they used it in the trailer to make a point of oh, we're doing the same thing three times. Ha ha. 
Which is so. interesting. The trailer uh, came out right when uh, Mark this Webb, all American, no reje- <laughs> and all American Rejects uh, Body, music video it. came out where they did this editing it's trick. It's all head. Go, go ahead. Uh, sorry, they, sorry. I'm making stupid jokes and totally talking over your that's okay. good point. They're listening yeah. to you, though. M- monkey heads are, you know, important. <laughs> they, know, they know better. Go ahead. Anyway, the trailer did this weird little trick where it's like, hey, look, just because we have um, Rachel Wise in the same shot three different times, they did this awkward thing where they're like cutting her saying the same line three times. You guys know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. All right, the just look up the trailer to, to this one or to another one for the fountain. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. That for this one, they 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 did that several times because he he intentionally, like you say, he has the recurring shots um, on several different occasions, different uh, types of recurring shots. So they decided to throw those all in the trailer to be like, ah, it's the same story three times. And it's like, okay, well that's interesting. <laughs> I'll go check that out. I wonder how much because you know trailers are generally cut by people entirely separated from the production of the actual movie. Uh-huh. I I wonder when somebody watches a movie at the trailer house like this, and sometimes you could probably talk with more knowledge about. I it. would sorry, actually quick, love quick, to quick, hear quick, about quick. the process. All the lights but. in this are golden. You're right. This is all about the material and, and the and the good that's happening yeah. here, and not accepting the rea- uh, the the. Mer- also, that the, the, the significance that, of things. It's, that, it's more getting greedy, basically. That bird earlier totally just obsessed with jewelry and just <laughs> pure materialism. Anyway, anyway. trailers. Uh, yeah, I, well, I I would be curious. It's like the the guy who had to edit the trailer for this movie sitting down and watching it or whatever piece of it he got and having to figure out what to do with it. But yeah, you could probably talk more about that than right. I could. Well, I, I know nothing about the the making of the trailer of this, but um, I don't know. You know what? Talk, talking about the creation of a trailer, it's a different experience every time. Sometimes it's like, hey, editor, uh, do whatever you want. And the editor does whatever they want. And then they decide this story could have been cut to be an action movie, mm-hmm. uh, a simple love story, a sci-fi movie. This movie literally could have been made to look like anything. And I do think they marketed it wrong. I think they're more obsessed sometimes – editors or like any like anyone could get obsessed with their own clever tricks like look at this trick i could do with the trailer where i'm cutting between the same shot a couple times but does it do anything right you know a trick is stimulating to an audience who's never seen it before especially in a trailer that's why innovative techniques like the little children trailer which is all train sound effects like catches your attention the same thing is like wow that's different therefore i'm involved right now but um does it help sell a movie i don't know this is a hard movie to sell unfortunately I, i really wish they just sold it as like Simple love story, mm-hmm. awesome spectacle. Because what it and is, and you walk in, and then it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of Avatar. That's the difficult. I, I, but you're right. I mean, a movie. The difficult part. I mean, we've talked about it before with like Pixar. Um, I tend to not like the trailers for Pixar movies because it's the kind of thing where because you have no heart, Michael. Yeah. Well, no. If you're if you're telling a story properly in terms of a movie, it's like how do you how do you boil it down to make it sellable? Right. You know. So it's how like, do you tell the story in ninety seconds without telling the entire story? Right. And without without you know by telling you kind of the tone of it. I think the tone of it is probably the best that, that mm-hmm. they've settled on kind of getting right. out there. Um, but yeah, it's like if if you make a really interesting, thought-provoking, original movie like this, it's like this this movie is an essay. How do you, how do you, you know, how do you advertise the abstract? How do you make it interesting by just cutting a bunch of, while, while still not, while still trying to communicate to the audience what this movie is, because a lot of the audience that walked in and saw this still didn't understand what the movie was at the end of it. So I don't know how you could make it into a uh, a 90-second or two-and-a-half-minute trailer. Well, I, I say, and, and actually it's interesting, Pixar movies, not their marketing. What they have down is they, they always uh, 
play onto emotions that everyone can relate to. Yes. Like um, loneliness and love and loss and, you know, basically all the things any one-year-old experiences. Right. Everyone's experience after age two, I think, changes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, like, relatability changes depending on who you are. But right. the first two years of life are generally the same for every human being. If not, you're dead, right? You mm-hmm. need someone taking care of you. And <laughs> and eventually, they take care of you less. Therefore, you feel like you're going to die. And, you know, all these, like, you know, the, the first time your parents walk away from you, probably when you're, like, a week old, probably to your developing mind is defined as, I'm going to die now because no one's holding me or feeding me right now. And that's all I know. Um, so I think marketing should play heavily on that, you know, the core emotions. Um, and this, you know, I don't remember even seeing TV commercials for this. I think they kind of considered this dead before it was even released, unfortunately. Um, so. yeah, they weren't, they weren't trying that. I mean, I, I knew coming out of this, um, I, I cancer motif mm-hmm. Anyway, keep going spreading. Um, we, we watched it, um, I watched it with Ryan and Chad, actually, uh, Chad and Peter, Chad Peter, and a couple Chad introduced me to it too. Yeah. Um, this and, is definitely uh, a Chad Peter kind of, oh movie. yeah. And actually he's, he's the one who's like, no, here's what happened. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that to me. Cause now I appreciate it. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, we walked out of it and we we're like, that was awesome. And it's going to fail so hard at the <laughs> because people are just going to walk out because because at the end of the movie uh, it it you know there's kind of the the supernova he's looking up into the stars and stuff like that and it fades to black and then the credits come up and there was just silence in the theater and we could tell like the three of us were sitting there and it's like you can the sense of what just happened is palpable yeah. in this room right now it, you know it, it's pretty extreme too this had a 50% on rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. and it was either love or hate right. so it's either what just happened or people are like crying yeah and there's kind of nothing, nothing in between right yeah i thought it was i thought it was really funny that <laughs> everyone was so perplexed by it i'm like that's awesome was that a uh, um a release screening, or was that like a preview screening? It was a release screening. Release? And then, and I actually saw it a second time because I was like, I love this movie, and I I took a friend to see it, and same thing happened with the credits. I had uh, one I of the guys, like, uh, one of the guys I uh, was in my film school class saw that as well. We didn't see it together, but we were talking about it at one point, and he walked out. It was like, wow. He was like, nope. Um, He's a, he's a good guy. But. So that's the third time we've seen that shot. The yep. first one was the dot going into the sun. The second was the car going into the city. And now it's the horse going up to the yep. uh, city. And real quick, we just had a money-saving technique where they went the black and you just heard horse galloping so they didn't have to shoot a horse galloping, which I imagine is crazy expensive and annoying to shoot horses galloping. Well, they had the... But that, but yeah, the but they, he, he was riding the horse. But I mean, like, this is all soundstage stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. But, like, to like go out into an open the... field oh, in sure. Spain, you know what I mean? And yeah, there you just smart. saved $1 million. Right. Giggity, giggity. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. Very smart. I wish every filmmaker was required to be that smart. Our bodies are prisons for our soul. So here's the thing. This guy's the bad guy. Yeah. And what he's saying is like very evil stuff. uh, But in reality, (laughs) he's the closest thing to um, the the evil, the death, which is the cancer or time itself or this invasion um, by religious extremists. They're all – they end up – the perception shifts. The events are the same, but the perception shifts, and that's his big story arc, learning the changes of perception. Dying is okay. So actually, he's saying, you know, like, uh, our, our bodies are prisons for our souls and whatnot, and you're like, God, this guy's fucked up, and he's torturing dudes, and that's messed up. But then you learn there's better stuff after it, which is interesting, because I told a bunch of smart people who I thought would really be down with this movie, people who like stuff like, you know, Ghost in the Shell and, like, the pull movies apart and enjoyed the matrix sequels and uh, uh, a lot of them well then you uh, just well you know like for you the need philosophical new friends, reasons. My yeah 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 um 
they hated me for suggesting this movie, not because it was boring or not not emotional or emotional or whatever, but they're like, uh, they said death is a good thing. That's retarded. What? Yeah, a couple people um, it's, brought that on me. It's it's I, interesting too because what I'm I'm not entirely sure because it's it has adjusted a few times, but this guy is killing these people as heretics. I th- I'm. I think, uh, well, depending on, on what time period you are, I, knew, I know it's the Catholic Church, but I think that view was also considered heretical at one point. Um, the whole bodies are prisons for the soul, because, because it was, a, um, it was a, not, not an orthodox position, it was a Gnostic position, that, that were, uh, very similar to what, uh, I mean, Scientology has kind of co-opted this to an extent, but the idea that the, the material world was actually created by, um, by an evil being. Um, and not the not the good create the creator God was not the good God. Um, ah. It was created by an evil being as prison for us, and the good God who who came in the form of Jesus and all of that was trying to save us from the material world. Um, but that's not an orthodox view, and I'm not sure if if how that uh, necessarily adds up. Although uh, the the pro- the um, practice of flagellation and stuff like that uh, in in terms of uh, abhorring the body and stuff like that was very much a, a Catholic thing at the time. So well, I do know there may have, there may just be an overlap there. Pre-Renaissance Catholicism and, and religion in shot. general was all about, you know, you're really just killing time until you die and then the real, your right. real life begins. Right. And it wasn't until the Renaissance and the enlightenment that people started going, well, why don't we enjoy this yeah. life to an, to an extent and actually live for today. Uh, of course, that that last shot also saving a lot of money by just using mirrors, just mm-hmm. facing mirrors, mm-hmm. and then you get a bunch of fucking lights <laughs> just it's, it's into awesome. infinity. It is. It it looks when I saw that in the um, when I saw that in the trailer, I thought this movie was going to be much more fantastical than it is um, because mm, they look because you couldn't see like the wires. It looked like it was it was the like future, but also the past and like a Harry weird Potter fantasy. Kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The fountain is not fantastical enough. <laughs> You need more no, like, it's not. like a solid magic bean of yeah. here's floaty stuff. Yeah. But I'm I'm fine that Dude, it's Dude, it's a meta bean. I'm <laughs> I'm fine <laughs> it's that a it's a meta bean. I'm fine that it's not, but yeah. um but I was I was surprised I, I was that in it the same and I was, I was in a meatball camp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Notice her dress has like tree roots all over it. I've never noticed that before. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. And yeah. and obviously with the the great there. The, really, yeah. I, you know, you always want to call someone out on their bullshit. Like, you know what this means? It's like, my fucking god, it is there. This <laughs> movie it, was crafted. It's you know, a tornado couldn't have flown through a junkyard and made a 747 as well as Aronofsky yeah. made this movie. <laughs> well, that's the, that's <laughs> if Transformers makes sense. That's an accident. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. It's not. Well, that's what science is. If there's a genuine pattern there, you should be able to make a prediction about future events or future discoveries and be right with some degree. Of accuracy. Yeah, if if the if uh, like trees and stuff had not been a major theme of this, and it's like, oh look, there's tree roots on her her dress, and that symbolizes blah blah blah. It's like fuck you, you right. just fuck made that you, up George, for this, for this scene. But but the fact that it's a recurring motif, it's like okay, that's quite, and, and we can that's s- quite plausible. Yes, we could <laughs> say even if we hadn't seen this movie, I imagine the imagery of tree roots is going to come up again. Yes, and I'm sure we'll find out. But yeah, yeah. well, it's covered in the past and in the future. We're looking for it in the real world now. Unless it's already yes. happened. This is like an I Spy book. <laughs> if someone gave you like a menu of all the things that are written into this movie that you're not supposed to really catch on until you look at it, it'd be fun just to sit down and watch it as a drinking game and then just play I Spy. Oh, well, oh, Roots, Roots, drink. Well, yeah. you, can, you, can actually, you can actually probably make an argument um, in terms of that, uh, that 
symbolism uh, by the fact that in the real world, um, he spends all of his time in the city. He spends it in buildings and walking. There's like one scene where he walks through a building and stuff like that. And, and she comes in and says, hey, come outside and play outside. with me. And he says, yeah. no. And only, a- only after she dies and then again when he decides to, to alter his course, um, however exactly that works, whether that's literal or whatever, we'll have to talk about that uh, when we get to it. Then he goes outside and then you're dealing with trees and, and all of that. So, so fuck. There it is. <laughs> there it was. Where's the star child? This is where they decode um, the three perspectives of the meaning of life that they've, they're playing with. Explain. Which is also the, also the cinematography, left, forward, right. Um, so there's this knife that has like the Holy Trinity thing going on. They're going to put it under a map, and it's going to show them where to find the tree of life. And uh, religiously, and I'm not an expert on this religious stuff, so I could be wrong, but it's something to the effect of there's the tree of life and there's the tree of knowledge. We ate from the tree of knowledge, which is bad because that gave us some knowledge. Once you have some knowledge, but not all knowledge, it creates wonderment. Wonderment creates fear, and it creates hope, and it creates conflict and violence. Tree of life, then, would um, make you uh, exactly like God. Um, and then, you know, one popular belief of God is that you're not a being, you're everything. So basically you die and your soul just becomes one with everything and all that hippie shit. Um, so in this movie, he eats from the tree of life and he dies. And, uh, you know, like in the conquistador story, he eats that, uh, vanilla frosting. Um, right. that that's, that I think that's, that's a pro cause in, in the Christian, uh, uh, mythology, it's not, you eat from the tree of life and you become immortal. And that's, that's his mistake is that they they're comparing the two trees of life right here um but the, but you're dealing with um he's got he's got a western view of immortality and the the actual tree of life in this is more of an eastern view of immortality so it's like you're saying he he drinks all the, all of that because he wants to live forever and he does but not the way he thinks he will and it actually involves killing him in order to make him immortal in right that, in, in the whole, the whole as it does it in the future story as well right. And the whole living forever thing is interesting because, I mean, without even getting spiritual or religious, I mean, we are just a bunch of molecules and particles. And when we die, we're still just a bunch of molecules and particles. And and this they even allude to, like, when she dies, her her molecules and particles go into the tree. And then when you eat the fruit from her tree, uh, you're actually consuming her. Oh, yeah. I mean, we literally and, and, you know, there's a there's an element of um, I wonder how much I'm I'm sure he's he's uh, uh, Aronofsky is very interested in astronomy and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson gives a talk where he talks about um, why he's so passionate about like astronomy and stuff like that and, and astrophysics. And he's like he was like, we have this we have a meteor that came in from space and it's primarily made of iron. Right, and because iron is made in the stars, and and you know it's forged and and just mm-hmm. condenses, and there's so that's where it is. And he's like, if you took if you took all the iron out of like the blood, the bloodstreams of the people in like the tri-state area on the east coast, you could make that meteor, and, and that's where the iron came from on this planet. Like it came from a star that created it. It probably right. wasn't here to begin with. And it came here and then it became, as, as life arose, it became synthesized into our, our, um, you know, our systems and, well, that's, and biological uh, systems. That's, that was Carl Sagan's thing. He had the quote of, uh, I'm going to forget the phrasing, but he basically called us, you know, star stuff. We it, we're made, we're made of star stuff where they were, uh, we are a way for the universe to know itself. That was, yeah. His thing. And it, because the, the life cycle of the universe is essentially, uh, these stars form, they age, and eventually uh, heavy metals like iron and right. other metals form inside of them, and then eventually they die and explode. And in the process of that explosion in the supernova, 
those metals then get seeded into other stars right. and other stars. I mean, he, he they, they even they us. even mention it in this. Uh, you know, the dying star Shibulba, which I always think sounds like fucking Shibulba. So yeah. let's just get that out there right now. Um, <laughs> but Chesco um, yeah. Shibulba. Yeah. Um, oh, fucking Chapa Chawa and whatever else he says. <laughs> anyway, white light, by the way. Um, blah, blah, blah. Yep, white light. <laughs> nicely done. Um, don't feed Hugh Jackman after midnight because uh, you don't even want to know what happens. Um, he hops in the tub. Yeah, but but it's like <laughs> he gets wet. And that's he turns it. into Wolverine. It's like he turns into Wolverine exactly. He uh, but but you know so there's that element there where again I'm sure Aronofsky had that in mind because the whole idea is he sends. I mean, sh- they even say, you know, yeah. the 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 star Shibalba will destroy itself and it will create new and stars. In the process, it will when that feed happens. other new, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and and likewise, the whole idea is you go back. He's going back to the star. That's where the the souls go to be reborn, and that's where he goes and stuff like that. So it's like you know, he came from the stars and he's going back. He's to going it, back, there which to, is not to start the cycle over. Wh- again. Which is not even really that element isn't even really addressed in here, but it's just <laughs> it's there. It's there. It's there. <laughs> well, it, and it, exactly what you're saying, the, the, if, if they're decoding the meaning of life, uh, the generalizations of the meaning of life, they do it scientifically, biologically, uh-huh. spiritually, religiously. You know, and the, uh, the Conquistador story is a very religious look. The, the, um, the astronaut story is a very uh, look like what you were just saying. Yeah. Um, but actually going Nova, it's the astrological science look of it. And then there's the biological look of it. In this story, there's some circles on the ground of like mm. white light. She'll step into the white light, which is the truth in this movie, and she'll faint. But and gold circles. Okay oh my god! Wait, look at that shit. I on believe. Her ears. I believe that's the chakras, the the levels of enlightenment. Mm. Uh, there's the chakras right there. And then um, when the bubbles detach at the very end, um, or when he's in the space bubble and then meditates out into other bubbles, there's like yeah. many bubbles in between. I don't know anything about the whole chakras thing, but I believe the bottom is like the most primal, animalistic, and the top is the most. Um, enlightened which no one ever really achieves except for like monks um but they're they're actually kind of decoding her earrings right here right that's that's crazy that that's like within the same scene and look at that little like and you know for a fact like like one guy in every theater noticed (laughs) (laughs) everyone else is like i can't eat popcorn uh, that's that's a pretty high (laughs) average (laughs) i would say yeah that's overestimating the american population i'm afraid which then means 12 people were that guy because when like 10 people or (laughs) 100 people saw this oh look all those children understood it for a moment and then passed through Uh (laughs) no that's what well that's what children's is it's a transitional period through and out of enlightenment that is what children's is you're right that's what children's is oh but but then this is very much you know she stares directly into it she stepped into it and she gets it and then she looks up i see the truth dying's kind of cool yeah and you know looking up anytime anyone has an enlightenment in this movie they look up Mm -hmm. you know like medically he looks up and he goes oh what about using that tree that had those properties from south america um, but you know, aside and he from- was looking into some fucking crazy light too at the time. Oh god, that's so awesome! Best screensaver ever. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, isn't there a screensaver function on the Blu-ray for this? I like you know, could there should be. No, I think there I is. I like for that real. transition. Another beautiful, beautiful transition. That's- the circles. Uh, there's even a scene when he's in an elevator, and there's like the the cr- a cross mm-hmm. in the elevator on the, like the elevator patterns, and he's staring at it. They make a point to point it out, which yeah. is pretty groovy. I cannot believe. The yellow and white thing—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's completely true. Mind. But you know what? Right. I, and I'm so I'm so appreciative of it because it's not fucking cyan and orange <laughs> that we're looking at here. So it, and how, it, it's not too different from um, some movies take that shit way far, like the movie Hero. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, just, they're like in your face. They're like, look what we thought of. I think this is way more subtle, actually. Oh, this is, this is absolutely more subtle. Because Hero, Hero is a movie that you, you can't not notice. You're not allowed to not notice. Yeah, you would have to be colorblind. Um, I mean, they're, it, they're showing off, but they're also making a point because it is three distinct stories, three distinct perspectives. So they're making a point of, you know, using color to show this is and, the way this 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 uh, perspective is colored by this person's experience and yada yada yada. Aaron Osby is obsessed with this. If you look at Pi, the black and white is extremely polarized, very dark black, very bright white, very high, high contrast. But then at the end, once he uh, drills into his own brain, spoiler. Whoops. Um, you didn't a, want to see Pi anyway, so it's fine. It's a great not, film. Style. Trust me, you're not going to. You should, but you're not going. to. I don't to. like Pi, the movie, oh, really? not like the pastry. I was going to say I love Pi. <laughs> yeah, but, I love. I've the pastry, never seen it, but, but I always love it. Yeah. You look at Aaron. Osby. I don't know. I thought it got kind of repetitious after a while. Mm. Well, that, you get it. Dude's... You get it. No, oh. think about it. Actually, uh, Pi never uh, repeats. Exactly. So, Thank uh, you. Uh, uh, uh. All right, let's just move on. Anyway, oh, it's like the tree. When when you look at any stylish director's career, their first. Two or three movies are all about showing off all of their tricks, and then they. And then Shyamalan. They actually, <laughs> but look at like uh, Aronofsky. I would have loved to see Aronofsky's Last Airbender, and we can't hear it right now. But oh, but what he does genius. with sound is awesome here, because you're not even really thinking about it. You just kind of accept it until the noise comes back. Which he said this is he took this exactly from another movie. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember what probably movie. A, f- a French movie or something. That <laughs> seems like. I'm not even joking. I bet it was. <laughs> Divine words everywhere. Or uh, or like eight and a half. Didn't they do something like this in eight and a half? I think they maybe they did. Uh, I love that, though. That yeah. Everyone jumped. It's the one time in this movie people will actually like get slapped in the face with something harsh. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything else is so soft. And uh, I don't know. I guess dude's getting uh, speared in the beginning is kind of harsh, too. Yeah, um, but but even that has a certain smoothness to it that it's just nice and... But I, but I have to say what, what you're talking about in terms of, um, you know, a uh, new director kind of showing off. That's one of the reasons I'm torn. Whether he is a new director. I'm torn. I'm torn whether I like um, whether I like this movie or The Wrestler better because I was I was so impressed by The Wrestler because you get used to Aronofsky, you know, just, being Aronofsky, just being Aronofsky. Yeah. And then you see The Wrestler and he's like, yeah, I could make a movie like a normal person if I wanted well, to. Like, here it is. I just don't want to. No, actually, want there's, there's a uh, like a, there's a Picasso quote like that. I think it's he's talking about Degas like. He's trying to prove that he's as awesome of a painter as he thinks he is. And he goes, see, I could paint a Degas if I wanted to, but Degas could not paint a Picasso. Uh-huh. Well, no, here's the thing. Uh, Aronofsky has just gotten more subtle. The wrestler still had these tricks. Of course, not as much. You could tell he, he was so micromanaging on this one that with the wrestler, he just let it flow and he made yeah. it only about the actor and the story, which worked just as great in a different way. But there's still the motifs of like uh, the camera behind uh, – mickey rourke's back as if you know that's the shot you always see when they yeah. enter the wrestling field and at one point he even decodes it for you when uh he's at the grocery store and walks out and you actually hear yeah. the like yeah yeah and he's about know? to walk out to the back of the meat counter mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so i mean he's still using the same tricks the dude is, this dude is just filled with storytelling subtlety tricks like nobody's business um and it's interesting um because you know there's different sets of tricks uh there's visual like you take visualist. Um, he's a visualist, but he doesn't put. He definitely doesn't put that uh, to show off his photographic abilities. But then you take other movies like uh, or other dudes like Jean Pierre Junet, um, and you just go, "Damn!" Like you're you're. It stimulates you in a different way when you see such a beautiful shot. You know what I mean? Different levels of visual. Yeah, I do. I do. I just watched Alien Four recently, and I'm trying not to cry. Go on. Uh, well, okay. Here's an example. Uh, where his camera is for the eye line. Um, where, where it's almost like we're looking at people and directors have different preferences on how they want to frame the close-up of someone. So right now, this is his 
close to relatable as you get for like looking at someone. But sometimes right. the closer you get to facing somebody straight on, the more relatable they are because the more of their face you see, the more emotion you see. Right. And, oh, yeah. and, and that's kind of like how we look at people, you know, yeah. editing and cinematography is all about like, how, how does it affect, you know, our own experience of looking at people? And then, uh, there's that famous book blink, um, that, oh, like he's walking through circles of light. Gladwell. Uh, um, Glad- Gladwell? No, Mal- Bl- Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. No, no, blink. He oh, means no. in the blink of an eye. Uh, yeah, in the blink of an eye. Sorry, got mixed up. But you know, blinking is the look uh, at that face. I'm like, oh my god, no, come back. I love you. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Grandma. For, I'm sorry for him. <laughs> Please don't leave. Ah, oh, my ring's gone. Fuck. Let me break some shit. I'm yeah. so angry. See, he should just be hanging out shink, with this woman right stoik, now. Stoik. <laughs> <laughs> No, you see, he just watched Australia for the first time, and he's like, what have I been doing with my life? Why? And then I, he saw Wolverine for the first time. Oh, look, you got gold, the golden white uh, all up the, in there. There's then, the yeah. Zabulba-esque uh, looking stuff. You know, so, you know, we're, we're delving all into <laughs> this, like, deep, crazy shit that, like, really, I mean, it matters, but at the same time, if none of this exists, uh, there's more light, um, passing through the light, uh, this stuff doesn't, like, this movie doesn't need this, just like The Wrestler doesn't have yeah. stuff like this, and it worked, but, um... No, you know, it's still telling from, a great story. Aside from discussing that, more on the more general view of like what actually affects people, um, I think the way the, the acting and whatnot, the way they handled it, first is a great story. Someone dying of cancer. I mean, come on. Like, I don't understand why this wasn't more relatable. This is why I think it will become more relatable once people get over the weirdness. And um, once people start getting more cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, once people get over the weird... This movie's very weird. Thanks, Gulf of Mexico. But anyway. it won't be weird in contrast to, like... I think we're coming out of the... Actually, Aronofsky said this. We're going to get so tired of, of seeing outer space in movies that we're going to need to explore inner space. Of course, in this, he explores both. But, I mean, we're going to get tired of the spectacle of, like, superhero movies and whatnot. And we're going to need weird movies just to feel anything. It's like a drug addict. You know, we're... Uh, the The human civilization is now so adept to movies that... Um, they're going to get desensitized. We're growing a tolerance to it. We're growing a tolerance. So you're going to need weird shit like this that has extremes of certain emotions or certain philosophies. And I mean, come on, the, the weirdness is based around eternal questions that have, that has plagued, uh, humankind forever. Like what happens when you die? Yeah. There's very much a, uh, like you, like you were saying the pool of white light, because at this point she's become fully enlightened, right? Um, is she's the, accepted is the idea. death. She's accepted point. death and the whole thing because earlier when you were pointing it out, out with the telescope, there was very much a thing where she had white light on one side of her face and the fill light was was gold. So she was still kind of in the oh. middle. But now, but now, not only is she in the white light, but it's very diffuse. So there's it's like not even shadows even, or anything. But he no, yeah, is still no in contrast. shadow because he doesn't quite get it, even though she's trying. And he keeps leaning back into the gold. See when they make this, uh, look what you've done. When they <laughs> when they convert this to a 3D movie. Her, her uh, upper her upper lip's gonna be the thing that jumps out at you. <laughs> Look at it. I always feel like it's coming up on me. It's like sneaking up. Uh oh. Up, up, just walking it in. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fly in the upper lip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, you, you got a great cinematographer, Matt Libatique, who just did Iron Man too. So he's capable of everything. You can, and it takes a lot of self control to not make this the most beautiful image possible. Because once you have, say, a gold motif, imagine what you could do with like gold glowing light. Um, Once you've given yourself that justification, hey, things can be gold. Look at let's right. pump this place with fog and have beams of light everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. but uh, and it's Aaron- a it's a fountain pen. No, <laughs> that's, oh! that's my contribution <laughs> for the night. Which, which <laughs> looks like the Michael, spear. Come here, a- come here. Yeah. No. Which is like the spear. Great. Now, uh, now you're like, no, I can still I can still beat you. <laughs> It's a spear. And, and like, look at all the, the golden starlight shit on the composition book. Mm-hmm. I'm actually getting tired of saying the word gold and motif. <laughs> so. Um, We'll, we'll just, you know, for the rest of the movie, 
if there's gold and there will we can be, talk about the eighteen instead. Well, we could talk about we could talk about the complete gulf but, that but, exists between this and a movie like Transformers too. Yeah, I mean, it is important to note that uh, I mean, a movie like that, you know, there's so much that goes. If we're going to talk about color, there's so much that goes on in just what what I've complained about in the past, which is the grading, which is just they mm-hmm. yank the shadows in one direction and the highlights in another direction. And contrast is a low hanging fruit of yeah. visual stimulation. Right. Just they just wash the entire palette away. Whereas this. I don't feel like this ha- this probably did have a grade on it, but this isn't a very heavy grade. This is the kind of thing it's subtle. Th- it's subtle, and and this is the kind of thing where the white the white and gold thing that's something you have to think about in advance. Right. You have to say this is the way we're going to roll, and these are the light bulbs we're going to buy. These are the choices <laughs> I'm making now, yeah. six weeks before we're starting, exactly we're, before we even shoot anything. As opposed to the edits done, just put a fucking wash of orange and blue on it and, right. and call it a day. Yeah. You know, one thing that's not too heavy in this um, is camera movement, which is interesting because I think ca- camera movement's uh, an extremely powerful tool for energy or lack of energy, depending on how much you use it in contrast to how much you don't use it. And, and he rarely does it. I mean, he does it for function's sake of, like, seeing what's around the corner. But I, I just wonder how different this movie would be if he did have that kind of stuff. I don't think this this movie's boring at all, but I wonder... Um, if it would up the energy, in it, but, I don't but think it needs it. But in a sense, know. it's kind of a more old school approach because they used to. I mean, because the camera used to be so goddamn heavy that they didn't move it around that much, mm. um, and it was mainly just on a you know tripod, so they'd move up and down to keep someone framed or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a definite difference between someone who's not moving the camera because they don't really have the confidence. To move, you know, they're like, I got right. the frame and it's there. And people who aren't moving the camera because they do have the confidence to <laughs> make it interesting without having to change the frame up a lot. It, I guess without it's also, spinning the camera 360 degrees yeah. for a basic dialogue scene, yeah. Michael Bay. <laughs> um, although Zemeckis on the What Lies Beneath commentary, um, there's a scene where it's Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer like sitting across from each other and talking. And he's like, You do not dare move the camera <laughs> when actors of this caliber are talking. That's true. Because right. if you blow the take, it's like, well, <laughs> the, sorry, we it's had a their technical fault. problem. Ah. I think I think Zemeckis is one of the, the the masters of moving the camera to tell the story and the camera motion. I think I don't think I actually ended up mentioning it on the redo of the contact, but there's certain scenes where he just you can you can tell who has power within the scene based on how the camera is moving and adjusting to frame. Yeah, it. yeah, and that, once again, two different philosophies of yeah. how do you handle visual storytelling. Right, right. Th- this is such a um, a constrained approach because you know, like moving the camera is a great way just to show off. Like, look at this, bitches! I could own your sense of energy easily right now. Like masters of Zemeckis, Spielberg, Snyder. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's incredible, but. Uh, I guess there's just a, a million different ways to do it. I like when the camera moves. They need to take someone like um, Jean-Pierre Junet, who just likes pushing in on people mm-hmm. a lot. But it's whimsical, so all right. <laughs> I, w- I would be interested to hear uh, Aronofsky talk about his... Whether that's just something he ended up... A path he found himself on, or whether, whether that's a conscious decision he made at some point. The camera thing? That what, to not move the camera. Mm. Well, you know, I don't... This I, film specifically, or in general. You know, I have no idea, but I would theorize that also he's a budget filmmaker. Like, that dude could... Yeah. Every movie he's made has been low budget, including yeah. this one. Moving the camera is so much time, and then by that, sometimes money, uh, that not moving a camera could save you 
a lot. It's true because it's almost it's almost like we were just talking about. It's the kind of thing where it's like you can create a cool, you know, a camera move where it where it, once the camera has to hit marks, that's an extra layer of fuck up that you're introducing. Because you're introducing also the the rack focus, right? And having and every focus point, the ready whole to go. thing. And so it's like grip and yeah. So it's like it, you've got you've got the one aspect where you've got to nail the performance, but then the camera also has to nail a performance in a sense, right? And it ha- they have to happen simultaneously. So, like you say, when you're a budget filmmaker, you're trying to get the movie made as quickly as possible. So it's like as soon as the performance is right, you want to just move on. You don't want to worry about whether it was in focus or any of that crap um, because you know it was because nothing changed yeah. <laughs> except what the performer was doing. He's not even looking out the window. Yeah. He's just I staring. don't want to look at the white light. <laughs> he's just staring oh, at the bar. Oh, he's oh, peeking oh. at it. No. But he mm. can't quite handle it. It, it hurts. You know, I don't want to accept this, so I'm just going <laughs> to go make Wolverine Origins the worst movie I've ever made. <laughs> it is the worst movie I've ever I, made, uh, isn't it? I, no, I still haven't seen it. Apparently, the worst movie he's ever made or ever made. This ever made. I don't. I that I'm hearing the last Airbender. Ooh, has yeah. Taking that t- that crown. I I still think Hugh Jackman is a little tall for a Wolverine, personally. But See, I'm willing I, to give it to him. I never. Uh, they they, never they hide it well for the most part, but Ratner doesn't. He's normal really try sized. To hide it. He's normal sized. He but comes Wolverine's across supposed to be short. Size. Yeah, he's supposed. But I don't care. <laughs> The thing, the well, the thing is, they uh, they hide it well, and the f- singer hides it fine. Right. But Ratner doesn't make any attempt to. So, anyway, you know, uh, fucking Ratner. I didn't know short- Wolverine was short. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also I don't think that's part of his I cultural. Did, I didn't influence. think he was trying to. I didn't even realize they were trying to hide it. I was just like, Wolverine is a normal sized person, and I just I accept it because he gets everything else about the character right. So we're I totally about get X-Men why they and cast Steve him. was probably yeah. about to blow our minds. Sorry. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> Wolverine's Wolverine's a cool character. Look, there's the Holy <laughs> Trinity, Pyramid, Temple, fucking oh, yeah. decoder. Yellow in the middle, white on. on the on the sides. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And then working in Orion, kind of. Somehow. Sort of. Yeah, that's not how He's Orion there. actually looks. Yeah. But, all no, right. but there's the three stars. There's, there's there's a couple of series of three stars. They're like, just fuck it. Yeah. I'm going to... Uh, three. I'm going to hit you in the face with it until you die. He's looking up... Is that important? <laughs> yes, actually. He's about to have a breakthrough. Is he going to get enlightened? Uh-oh, getting flashed with <laughs> white light. Oh. Oh. You know, in, in the original, uh, the, the, the big version that's in the comic book, the tree was like the size of a skyscraper inside a canyon. And the fight took place between like thousands of Mayans and thousands of conquistadors, which you were talking about earlier. Lord of the Rings stuff, but like such an epic location giant tree basically in a huge like meteor crater looking place uh i'm assuming there'd be like bow and arrows and sword fights from on like multiple elevations going on at the same time although you know what this that would make this movie this movie is short aronofsky's movies are short yeah and and thank god for that he respects our time it's none of this like (laughs) king kong being three hours long and yet and yet he still manages you know and you notice it a lot um uh now I mean, we can we can still kind of hear it, but we're not listening to it. Um, there are a lot of points where a character will just kind of stare, you know, and it, they're not just staring. You can tell they're doing they're, something. They're, they're, thinking, they're, something. they're thinking, and yeah. you can see the thought process going on. But he takes he takes his time with that. Yeah. There's, probably, lets, there's probably more stares in this than there are in Transformers. Yeah, he he just he lets them just just stand there and kind of stare into the distance because something's going on in their head, you know? Right. Um, and isn't like, no, let's, let's pick up the pace. Cause but, but we gotta, we gotta, get to the dialogue. We gotta get to the, gotta get to the next 
exploding car, you guys. Right, and you know, it's interesting. Actually, um, going to M. Night Shyamalan, he is a dude... We'll say I think this... this guy is in Last Airbender, by the way, speaking of which, but anyway. Uh, no, that's Asif Manvi. No, no, the, well, oh. okay, just because they all look alike. No. Oh! <laughs> there, There is more than one Indian person in The Last Airbender. Right, I think this enough. guy plays a different role, but I may be incorrect. Right. In M. Night Shyamalan? But yes, what? Asif Manvi Wait, is so which it. one of us is more racist, then? I, what? I don't know. Anyway. Uh... When it comes to dramatic Beta. pauses, I think <laughs> we're so used in movies to them wanting to be efficient as they should be and fast. Um, when you do have an overly long shot that's even like three seconds longer than what feels natural on someone just staring or an overly long dramatic pause, it gives it power. Uh, anything that's different than uh, what's been defined around it has power, which is why the movie Domino, which is obsessively too fast and too music video and fady and color correcty, if they just had like one shot that was one minute long or even 10 seconds long, that would be the most important dramatic shot in the whole movie, no matter what it is. Right. And they didn't. It's like, God, because the whole thing is they define all this insanity. Contrast is like the most powerful tool like ever in any art form in cooking, you know, sweet and sour, (laughs) crunchy and soft, hot and cold. How come hot fudge on ice cream tastes good? You know? (laughs) No, it's true. I mean, someone someone calm him down. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's true, though, because I mean, all art really is, is uh, when you get right down to it, is just here's like the most action in the movie almost. Aside from the opening. Well, at the, the very end, too. Yeah. Um, is uh, All art really is, is here are these two things that are different, and this is what's this is different de- about them and why they're different. That's definitely meant to uh, call back to the other thing, though, because it's yes. just dollying along the side. Right. You know, the same thing. But, yeah. Anyway. Difference. But, yeah, I mean, well, it's all art. Fundamentally, it's just about here's a juxtaposition. Here are two things that are different, and how and why and what does that well, mean? Well, that's the editing and stuff yeah. like that, exactly. But, we'll but that's talk, what, we'll you know, spend. you want... You want to have that idea, hopefully, through every layer of your work down yes. to, you know, you want juxtaposition in, you know, the concept of light or light and dark and life and death or whatever. But it, that should work itself its way down to color palette, editing choices right. and everything else if you do it right. Yeah. That's what there's uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. There's a couple versions of it. But there's one version where... It, uh, for like the entire movie, it, it color correct, it saturates from low saturation to full saturation, mm-hmm. and you don't notice it because it takes forever. Or even like um, a single man did similar things. If you guys saw that, mm. very mm-hmm. good movie. That Tom Ford guy, the fashion guy. Uh, oh made yeah, a movie. yeah, yeah, super good movie. I don't even think it's on DVD yet. I thought it no, it just because it, it it confused everyone because there was a simple man and a serious man and a solitary man and and all and that the, other yeah but um a single man um but uh, it was it's interesting to me that he you know he is this character is portrayed as being very uh, the the conquistador character portrayed as being very religious um, but at the same time when the priest dies he says he says to the priest for you there is only death. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But we a, just had a push in. Oh, yeah, with the 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 zoom or dolly into uh yeah to Rachel Vice. So so you see you see how he's kind of like yeah well I don't really I believe the eternal life thing I'm all all about that <laughs> all about living forever but you know but that goes back death to and it. life are the same thing and he doesn't understand that right and the the guy is telling him no you're going to die you'll yeah. get your eternal life oh. but not the way you Wait, think yeah. this right here when he looks at the guy dying. I don't know why it's. Just, I don't know how, why it works, but mm-hmm. this fucking works, man. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's it's actually. Um, let's see if he does it because I don't quite remember. If he does what? Uh, what? 
happens in the script. It's he's supposed to have a vision where that guy is like him, basically, and then he looks back and the guy doesn't have his ring on and stuff like that. So I imagine it was like a symbolism of of he's going to die alone and he's obsessed with with living, but he's gonna die anyway, so he might as well deal with it and blah 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 blah. Right. Um, which isn't as clear here as it actually was as written and probably script. as shot, and they just kind of condensed it because of like whatever. Right. <laughs> Wait, this is where they start playing. Isn't it ironic by Alanis Morissette? <laughs> And and but there's actually it was you know going back to the color palette thing, um, it was very before it was it was just the gold light but it actually they actually kind of changed it up and on the sides there was the white light, um, highlighting the gold ones coming down from the top. Okay. Light! Oh there my God! I is. see the truth. Yeah. He should that, just burst in the flames and it becomes a vampire <laughs> movie. That that's the shot I remember. I was yeah. like, that doesn't just happen on its own. Yeah. This in the abyss, you know the the. the the CPR scenes. You've never given up on anything in your life. Live, you bitch. Okay, so the music, we've been listening to this low volume. The yeah. music for this, I think, is like such a big fraction of the power of this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Because it, it's not just traditional scoring. First, it's very minimalistic. Oh, look at the fucking condensation coming out of his mouth. Yeah. That, and she yeah. dies. It's like, and what's funny is it's selfish love. It's, oh, I yeah. need you, so I'm happy. Yeah. More than... I want you to what be can happy. I do Absolutely. For you? What that's can what, we do together? That's what I was saying. He was like, he's he's trying to, you know, even going symbolically, he's trying to keep this tree alive, and he's he's eating pieces of it to keep himself going because it's really about keeping himself going. That's why he wants the tree to keep going, essentially. And likewise with Izzy, and it's know. actually keeping him alive. The, yeah, just like the workaholism is keeping him alive, trying to cure cancer and. All that stuff, but it's not. It's actually killing him because he's losing. Well, it or you can you can argue it's, it's like stunting his growth. It's a qu- it's a quality of life thing too. It's like okay, it, it it may keep you alive, but what is the point if you're not really living? You right. know that it's, kind of thing. What's life versus what's the point of life? Yeah, ultimately. exactly. Choose life. That was an unbelievable use of a transition. Because <laughs> you're look, he, he pans down, you see the thing, and Dude. you look back up at him, and he's like, "Oh, what's that?" And then you look back down at it, and it's like this. This, this pan movie, over to coffin. <laughs> this movie has the best transition tricks, and it's not like yeah. Sam Raimi Darkman tra- transition tricks. Where like, what's her name? Who's the girl? The Fargo girl, Francis. Yeah, you know when like Darkman dies, and suddenly it fades, and she's at the funeral, and it's like, what the fuck? That was the most distracting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but this is like. Going back earlier, we pointed out real quick, but like it starts on the Mayan temples and you pull out and the bird flies by and then the light beams up and you realize it's a painting. And I bet that bird earlier that we're talking about existed just for that transition, really. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> just to fool you into thinking this is the Mayan temple. He's so. He's going to go ranting about how, like, Obi Wan doesn't respect him. And <laughs> he will find a way to keep people from dying. And... He should be a Jedi Master, but yeah. he's not. He slaughtered the women and children. <laughs> it's like, fuck, I need to go give myself yeah. a tattoo. Actually, I'll, I'll say uh, the opening of Up and then the scene where he gives himself a, a ring tattoo are probably like the two saddest cinematic moments in the world ever. Because he just sits there and cries, but it's like yeah. realistic crying. You know what I hate? when In movies, because I don't think anyone's ever done this in the history of humanity, when someone dies and they like get on their knees and they start screaming at the Why? rain. Yeah. Why? You the know? Cling on like, death yell. It's yeah. a nice little transference of visual energy going on right there. Into words. Some eye trace from left to right to a pan. That's also right. pretty ballsy because he's just, I mean, those are words and they're a little important, but he's just kind of like, meh, here it goes. <laughs> Read it or don't. I don't care. We're not going back. This right here, th- this is this is like the epitome of 
crazy See, that's more right that's that's more um right there. The, the, yep. What what they did in Up later. It's like there's not there's nothing there. <laughs> you right. flip forward and there's nothing. What they should have done in Up is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As opposed to like, oh, I won't turn the page for some reason. Because that's what you do. If you're in that situation, you're going to turn the page just to torture yourself a little more, you know? I don't know. I don't have a problem with the guy in, uh, with Carl not turning the page enough, yeah. personally. At but. S- I feel like at some point in the last, like, 20 years or whatever. Over a period have. of, like, yeah, 15, 20 <laughs> years, sure. So, this is straight up crazy, I will say. <laughs> but you get it, but still. It's a pretty good... Uh, um, he's got some white light on him now. Yeah. Well, he's starting to get it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Look what we did. That's straight up... I think oh. he, they really just... Some guy just poked himself in the finger there, too. Yeah, it's that not better be Darren Aronofsky's it's, finger. It's not a big deal. Yeah. No, but it hurts. Oh. Okay. Oh, he's really digging it in too. Whoever that was, you know. that better be the director's. <laughs> hey, exactly. Right That's I no, mean, no. You do it, and I'll I'll buy you lunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't want it, but you do it. You go for it. See, Brad Pitt's one of my favorite actors, but I don't think he could do this the way Hugh Jackman's doing it right no, now. No, really. I mean, I mean, just just getting the tears to pour out like that is. If anyone can do that, it's so impressive. All you got to do, you crush up some Altoids and rub yeah. in your eyes. It's like, okay, roll it. Yeah, no, the, the makeup lady will always have, what is the, it? The, the glycerin drops, or whatever, yeah. Glycerin, yeah. But this, this, like, yeah. this, this is the most, this is a broken person crying yeah. that some shit went down. You know what I mean? This is what it was like when I was watching Wolverine in the theaters. <laughs> <laughs> you started boredly tattooing yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sobbing. <laughs> that's so, what, that's there, what there's we... There's a phantom edit to put, to yeah. put, uh... This in, so he's he's watching Wolverine. Yeah. That's, that's why he's crying. That's awesome. <laughs> Basically, from this point on, this movie just like starts hauling ass. Yeah. This how is so all the tree rings. No, we're this movie. The movie's almost done. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. One fifteen. Tree ring circles. You know, infinity. Uh, wedding ring. Time passing. At I mean, certain- this is every symbolism of of like possible right there in one shot. Yeah. And then, oh, we'll see a moment. We'll point it out when it happens. But when when he transverse when he meditates from his mini bubble uh, in a mini bubble out of a big bubble, there's a shot. And right when the two bubbles form a visual ring because of the the angle you're at, that's right when he like explodes and you know melts into the Zebulba. You know, you'd think though th- this should just be oh, like a white light. This should be a Match. dot com commercial. Really, <laughs> it's like get, it just like freeze frames. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's more fish in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> but I was I was rejected from eHarmony. I don't know what to do. <laughs> There's got to be like datingdoctors.com or something, right? Yeah. I wonder what Creo means. Actually, Tom is, uh, his name is... Uh, Creo means belief. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Because uh, Tom is actually based off of the David Bowie song, you know, Major Tom. Major Does Tom? it come from... Oh, no does joke. It, does it come from the same creed? Creo? Yeah. Siri? Creo, Creo Credible... Creole? Ah, yeah. Cajun? No, I don't know. Creole. No. Creole. <laughs> Creole. <laughs> Crawfish. By the way, that's Dr. Octopus's wife. I guess she just gets to play medical assistants in every movie. <laughs> well, at least she's in a good movie this time. You don't like Spider-Man? Oh. No, I don't. Now, now this is... Whoa, this whoa, is, whoa. It's funny because, because he comes back and he's like, we're going to stop dying. That's that's what we're doing. And he's, he's like... He seems serious and and just straight, but you're kind of you know they're like oh he, <laughs> he broke he bro- he broke the doctor's broken <laughs> captain is broken 
Um, Wait, it's Moby Dick going on. Instead of oh, yeah. a whale, it's curing cancer. Sooner, uh-oh. Oh. Uh, the light went, see, he made the wrong decision. He chose the wrong goal, and now the lights go. <gasps> but the white light comes back. And uh, Genius transition, god damn it. Yeah. This is uh, th- this oh, look at that. Enter- entering into uh, the the final stage here is is really awesome. And the thing is, it I- had a name. They they even called the sequence something, but I don't remember what. God vag. <laughs> <laughs> I was weirdly thinking that too. Yeah. Well, uh, that that is a, I think a purposeful uh, motif that's going on. Oh, certainly. There's the, the birth canal God, thing. The whole birth and, canal. Yeah. The birth canal imagery versus the whole walking walk towards the light imagery. This yeah. might be the coolest aesthetic ever put on film. <laughs> Between this and uh, I guess Constantine's Hell, it's just the two the, these fanciful dreamlike things that this are, is they supposed, completely work. This is supposed to feel like heaven. That is definitely the idea. This is supposed to be um, it's heaven. Walking imagery. into the light, Constantine's Hell. I bet that looks super fake now. Have you seen it recently? No, yeah. We saw it oh recently. yeah, we did. It, it works. works. Yeah, it totally works. works. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, this like also it, starring Rachel Weiss in the tub. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. No. See, even well, more no, Darren Oswey thought that. Yeah. the two and, uh, data and, points we have. <laughs> and Wolverine crying on a tree. It was also in there. Yeah. yeah. A lot of repeated themes. Oh, Walk away, I want to fuck this tree. Now it's now it's all white and gold, basically. Yeah. Well, that's the... The uh, you know the future... This, this aspect of the world is... Th- this is the first time he probably admitted it. He says, I'm afraid. That's what it comes down to. And that's, you know, <laughs> you know, that, basically. I, that every movie, every basic, typical, like, hero's journey sort of movie has a dude who's afraid and then he confronts his fear. And, you know, it's like, in five but years. he's the only one who just said it. <laughs> just, uh, please, right. I'm afraid. Right. In, in five years, people, more people will be down with this movie, but no one will see it. It'll have to become like a, someone will have to, like, re-release it in theaters. It'll, it'll be like a Shawshank thing, you know? Nobody saw it in the theaters. Yeah, or Blade a, Runner. Or what? What is yeah, that? Blade Runner. Blade Runner, which the the new version is fantastic, by the way. Get the chance. So basically, if anyone makes a super smart movie, shelve it for 10 years. Mm. And then it'll win Best Picture. What you do, you show it to a couple audiences of super dorks, and then they'll like blog about it and whatnot, and then it'll become this elusive thing, and then 10 years later, everyone will like die to see it. Well, that's the problem, is in our modern age, nothing is elusive anymore. Uh-huh. You know, you can't... You don't have to drive 50 miles to the big city to go to the one theater that's yeah. showing Blade Runner at midnight on a Tuesday. Elusiveness is elusive. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You just oh. blew my mind. <laughs> God, it's, it's and not the, your using fault. Using that shot, the red. Yeah. It's what? not your ah! fault. And the well, reason. Teague, what do you mean? It's yeah. not your fault. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go too much further. You're, you know, now you're starting to freak me out. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder what Izzy means. Well, um, it's interesting. They keep bringing up Spain, and well, Creo, Creo in, in Spanish means believe. Um, Izzy is a really strange way to um, shorten Isabel, but in Spanish, the phrase EC Creo means, and yes, I do believe. There you go. All right. We we should stop this right now because we don't have anything smarter to say. Than that. <laughs> Me and Brian just looked at each other like, who are these guys? <laughs> Next movie is going to be like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, tomorrow we're doing ID Four. Awesome. <laughs> I said it. I said I said something really smart, but my Spanish accent was terrible. Uh, so there's that. Whatever. You, you know what's <laughs> okay? Actually, earlier 
I've never thought about this. You know, earlier we are talking about how locked down the camera is and whatnot. Dude, when it goes crazy, we have full-on 360 pans on oh, yeah. this tree as it blooms and dies and everything. And earlier when we when we first introduced him and he, he came out of his floating Tai Chi pose and, or lotus position and, and came down at the ground, it pulled out really far and stuff like that. So he does do a few of those really extreme um, CG cameras, which I generally... I'm like over, but they don't bother me that much in this movie just because you're already in such a weird place. And he's he's using them for a reason. He's only pulling them out when he really, really wants to use them. And he's not just throwing them in there willy nilly. She's like a cat. (laughs) She just stands there and doesn't understand why you want to play with her. Uh, Come walk with me. But but we always take a walk. But walking. One thing I don't I don't know how I feel about it, but it's it's interesting is when she walks away, she's not like heartbroken. She's just like, oh, okay, you're kind of. You're in your place or whatever. She well, still seems probably, you, almost it, kind of happy. It's like, woman, you started dating me. You knew yeah. this was the deal. Yeah. But now he goes left. So, yeah. So, so how does this work? Because if we're going by the, by the concept that what happens at the end is real, then what's going on here? Fascinating. Did, Interesting. May, that, that maybe... Because that's the part that confuses me. I <laughs> doubt there's a right answer, which uh-huh. is cool. Um, maybe the li- his life is flashing before his eyes or... And he yeah, wants who to, knows? He wants to make the right choice or, or you know, he, he's... This is, this is him kind of dealing with the process and at some point, you know, he did make the right choice or whatever. I yeah. don't like this shot. This is like the one that doesn't really work for me. The reverse underwater shot? Yeah. And, Dude, the and music that kind of head replacement. I like this this extra little bubble. And look at the little, little chakra slayers going yeah. on. Two little bubbles. Two. Oh yeah. Just like your earrings. Bam. Buddha enlightenment. <laughs> all that. You yeah. know, Okay. We haven't <laughs> talked enough about the music. There's not too much to say except Cronus Quartet, Mogwai, and Clint Mansell, who is not classically trained. Mogwai. He just has a natural instinct towards great fucking music. Uh, and it's just this is like the best movie score ever. It's a. It's a really. It's certainly an uh, especially an unexpected score you know for this kind of movie in a lot of ways that's also an in they what they used a serif for the the <laughs> the subtitles that's unusual oh serif uh, serif serif sorry serif being the little lines on the top and the bottom yeah, of the, the letters little, yeah. to... the little extra pieces on a letter oh but and now it's oh, wait, that's that's just dvd no that's ours that's yeah, our okay. subtitle. <laughs> oh, so it's like why subtitle the word no yeah yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> Sarah versus not Sarah. Wait a second. Let's boil this down. <laughs> what animals are around his neck? Be that dude for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, let's get it accurate. This is also a kind of interesting way to like he wrote, he so he wrote that into the story. That's a little like you know, I I think yeah. you'll be, I think you'll be able to tell when the authorship of that book switched hands. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out a laser gun. And, you know, yeah, stuff he's down with. Uh, generally, for me, I if there's a literal and a metaphorical interpretation that you could lay down for anything, I would always tend towards the literal. Uh-huh. And because yeah. otherwise, it's basically saying, "Oh, it was a big dream," eh. yeah. and we all know that's not very satisfying right. story. But I have no idea how to peg this as any kind of literal right. sequence of events right <laughs> exactly that's the kind of thing at a certain point it's like all right this is kind of defying my attempts to yeah put it in a box <laughs> in I, I a lot of ways conquistador is a story the the reason i think the astronaut is a story is or actually happening um is because he does cure death and cancer and whatnot and he does plant the seed over her dead body it's the last thing that happens and then that's the tree he's actually eating off of because it has anti-aging properties. Which, by the way, in real life, a scientist, as a TED Talks about it, a scientist actually 
identified the one thing we need to fix to stop cellular degeneration. Yeah, yeah uh, telomerase strands, right? Yeah, yeah. Sh- or shortening telomeres. Te- telomeres. Make them stop. Ha! Ah, see, you fix the uh, font yeah, thing. No, and no, 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 no. There we go. Yeah. Ha ha ha! <laughs> Nerd like, fight. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> punching each other like bitches. <laughs> 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 Kate Blanchett yeah. and uh, Brad Pitt are now shooting a movie called Tree of Life. Interesting. Yeah. <gasps> and oh, uh, that's going to be a huge hit. And they also did, uh, you know, Benjamin Button together, of course, which is another kind of a study on life, but not as much of one as it. I think it could have been. Vanilla frosting. That's that's like the stuff they would give you. They give you it like Cinnabon to dip it in. Mm-hmm. Which no, is, they really oh, use. Yeah, yeah. Which is frosting. so good. How do you know so much about Cinnabon? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm. You know why. Don't make me say it. <laughs> now, now, this is where, when people hate this movie, this is where they always win the argument. When they're telling people who've never seen the movie, it's like, then he fucking explodes with flowers, dude. What the fuck? That's true, but it He makes... rubs, like, tree vagina juice on his <laughs> knife wound, and then flowers explode out of him. And that sounds like, wow, this is that's like clearly Airbender. That's clearly tree cum, <laughs> if, it's, if it's any kind of genital juice. <laughs> let's, just point, let's just be clear. But it's yeah. feminine. But the tree is phallic. But it's hurt. No, well, I, that's the, just the like your opinion, just, the, the man. Knife, the knife penetrated the tree. Yeah, and then that I whatever. And the knife penetrated him. But God then, damn it! There's a meaning here. He he eats too much of her, like he always has been. Whoa! And it <laughs> kills him. Now it's getting weird. Yeah, you know it's funny. The uh, making no, it's of this delicious. Is, it the, really is. The making uh, the, the behind the scenes <laughs> the of the frosting. Really, <laughs> no, no, really, they're actually. <laughs> Pumping vanilla frosting like through uh-huh. a tube into the tree prop because like on the DVD I, be- yeah. I believe is where I saw it. it's really like unromantic <laughs> as are all movie things in the fake torso where they shoot just plastic oh, yeah. flowers through a tube. Oh yeah, he he loved it because he's like that looks that looks horrific <laughs> the way that I- but also like you can you can see the behind the scenes of him standing My on the. Uh- yeah, uh, of him standing on the uh, the tree set, and it's like there's the tree, and it's him, and then there's the the roots, but then under it, it's like two by four yeah, holding exactly. it up, and you can totally see it. And there's all these like, dudes like yeah, ho- pumping frosting through yeah. the floor. It's so there we go. He's becoming yeah. one. Yeah, philosophy. He's, it's like although I I actually saw this coming I, as soon as the frosting hit the ground and right. did that I was like don't put that in your mouth yeah you, okay scientifically that is the only thing you know that stuff does right <laughs> is grow flowers <laughs> so do not put it in your face <laughs> collect <laughs> more da- collect more data before human trials <laughs> exactly down 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 well he experimented with the monkey before he was supposed to too that's tr- but he didn't inject it in his own head that's true. All right, here we go. Very here comes this is the this is the the fountain roller coaster red. Yeah, here we go. This is this is where the music really like because before it it has been it's been good mood music in a lot of ways, but it hasn't really brought itself too much to your well, attention. He, he's been hinting little pieces of yeah. it the entire time, and now finally all these little pieces come together as one giant. Yeah, piece. The, now this is the moment but where the, the entire wedding movie ring makes a wedding ring. Yeah, but bam, um, this is when the movie just. Cock slaps you senseless. Is basically what <laughs> I think this is the better 2001. Uh, in some ways, in some ways they are similar. I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure you can entirely make a one to one comparison, but they're certainly you know, um, old historical weirdness, current, and then future weird abstraction. Oh, what do you know? This one, this one does make a, a which is weird. To and, say, all the, and, sure. all, and all the mirroring Wait, things for, actually for, mirror. I love this. Here's this is amazing. Contrast of energy right here goes dark, quiet, yeah. just to make the loud part yeah. more exciting. Bam! Yeah. Let there should, be light. Uh, even that, 
even that stays there lo- way longer than you think it should. Just, right. just in just terms one, of regular one timing. One more moment than you would expect. Yeah. You, it, it gives you just enough time to be like, uh, maybe it's not going to do what I thought it would. Ah! Like, <laughs> good stuff. It's quite pretty. Now, so that cue, the song was called Death is the Road to Awe. That's the name of it yeah. on the soundtrack. Uh, I wish they used that in the trailer. Clint Mansell actually scored the trailer um, specifically. Ah. Now, see, see, this is... But you, you, this is the seed he uses, and this isn't the one from the South American tree, which is why... Mm, fascinating. Yeah. But she does give it to him, so maybe it's, like, I don't know. Fuck it. But, but <laughs> I yeah. took a thing off the tree and I, gave I, it to him. It's an Adam and Eve thing. I straight but there's up, no, tree, but there's right no there. tree, so it may have been from... I'm straight up... I ran out of steam. It's over. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think at certain points he just had to say shit is happening in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any other way around it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, at some point, it's just... It's metaphorical, all right? It and is. Then, and then here's one more... Okay, so we'll take I a really mo- don't think... They, you know, he's not fertilizing this or anything. I'm not sure how successful this is going to be. But it has anti-aging properties, so it just waits for the right... No. Um, but, okay, we'll take a movie like Up, which is... Think about it. As ridiculous as any plot could ever get. Balloons, house, talking dogs, all that. In the end, if, if you make someone feel something they'll forgive you and you know I have it, noticed this the, the, <laughs> so that that's also why i'm amazed at this movie even though it was all dense and art douchey and whatnot in some ways um this shit should just make people feel see right? the fact that he's the fact that he smiles after he says bye is like the most important part of that movie almost <laughs> in a yeah. lot of ways Boom. it's like up uh, he gets it because okay. that's, that's the expression of the whole theme of the movie yeah. in, in one nonverbal exactly. moment of behavior. It's like you can see it. It it hurts, but he gets it, and he's okay but with he it. But he had the time, yeah. and, he, and he's he did what he should have with the time. He yeah. enjoyed it to the best he could. I think this is one of the most genius ways to go out into the movie, just fading at the white and then like credits slowly come yeah. up. Because that's also the silence of some people are like, all right, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I didn't get that. Or This, this is the this moment where, where everyone's like, what? Or, <laughs> or if you're down with it, you're carried throughout the whole credits because the music, so there's this, and then it goes into this amazing piano score that like, it's so, just as music, it's just so beautiful. And if you're into the emotions they're just throwing at you, it's just like... You need slowly it. carrying you out. Yeah, yeah. It's, you need it's time. Like it's the shuttle back yeah. to the parking lot. You line. need time to wipe the tears <laughs> off your cheeks and act like you're a man. <laughs> so the fountain. Leaving. Holy shit! I'm going to stick to that, uh, and and I, I look forward to the conversation in the forum giving me a bunch of reasons why this doesn't make sense. But this movie, I feel like it was at least in some ways trying to do a lot of the same things. Maybe not say the same things, but do a lot of the same things with the same sort of tricks as 2001. And I yeah, it's vastly weird. prefer this. It is weird to say that this movie makes more sense than 2001 in a lot of ways. <laughs> but uh, but, but, I mean, but to I'm, an extent, yes. I, I, I'm so glad we had Steven here because, holy shit, this movie just unraveled before my eyes. <laughs> and it basically, now I think I can watch it with the sound on. This and, is, and if you can accomplish any one thing with Down in Front, that's it. This really is a movie, and, and you know, um, um, Ryan, Ryan, who couldn't be here today but uh he's he's said the same thing on many occasions when it's come up it's like this is this is the kind of movie that down in front exists for like the shitty ones for one just to elbow them in the face but the, but, <laughs> but then these ones as well because this is the kind of movie that it's it's not a passive experience it's not a movie you can just white watch. and gold yeah oh shit it's not a movie you can just infinity between yeah. their names and you know the true and the and the, and the valuable characters are in white, and then the actors are in yellow because they want the money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. hey, guy! Um, but um, wow, Aronofsky's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Hugh Jackman's like, I see what you're doing. But all the below the line guys yeah. are 
Yeah. Uh, you know, this the is, crew are. That'd be are funny cool too. This, <laughs> that would be really funny. This is, if, if he all the grips them. are white. Yeah. <laughs> if he, the PAs are white. Uh, it, this is the kind of movie that you need to talk about. This is the kind of movie that you need to unpack and a lot to to really be yeah. able to appreciate it. And some I, I've I've said before that I don't necessarily like that kind of movie, but for some reason this one totally worked. For so me. it's so pretty. Yeah, it's got a pretty well, mouth. It's, it's, there's a lot of movies that just end and you're like, what happened? But I enjoyed the ride. But what I don't get is um, I do think every important element, story element and character element ties up perfectly into one point at the very end in perfect sync. Quite literally, like Big Bang, the singularity right there. <laughs> yeah. So so then um, and even so first, I, I thought they were very simple with that, but maybe I'm just retarded. Um, but then regardless of any of that, I, th- I thought this is simple enough where you just feel dude loses wife, reunites with her, and some really sad, simple acting happens throughout it. That's why I don't get why people just got caught up like, that's so dumb. They said death is okay. And like, yeah. God says death isn't okay. You know, just crazy shit like that where it's like, dude, couldn't you just be all right with man, woman, love actually, story? Actually, well, if you want to talk about that, the whole point is, like you said or earlier, it's like, you kind of have to die for the good stuff to start. But don't kill yourself because that's a loophole and we have to close it. <laughs> <laughs> Brian? Fountain? Yeah, well, I think... Uh I think uh, when filmmakers try to get literary film, film as a medium does not lend itself to literary expression the way we read novels very well. And I think many, many filmmakers try to make it as literary, make their films as literary as possible. And very, very few succeed on any kind of level. That's Kubrick certainly could, and and Aronofsky can. And it, I think, I think it has it relates. I think the important part is what what you were saying. It's still you still have to have that simple human situation at the center of it. The Do, spine. The the spine. The, this this is what's happening. This is what these characters are doing. What's happening to them and how they are reacting to so it. So when you I, blow everyone's minds with your complex shit, they still have the blue cat aliens that they can respect. I but think, then of course Avatar never did yeah, the rest. I think right. I think the uh, wow. Avatar is the just, just, just going to come right back in and be like, "Hey Avatar." Bam. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you? No, you thought you were over there. Superman punch <laughs> right <laughs> across the room. You know it did do it though. The, the Matrix, when you think about it. I the mean, original. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number yeah. 1. Number 1. Uh, the, exactly, because because you're grounded and and like I said, that's why whether no, regardless almost of how you how you interpret the other two stories really the 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 conquistador one is clearly her novel i mean they make a point about that but how you interpret the future one it's like you could go either way but the the story still works because the, she looks in he looks out yeah because the point is that that this is a story about the two of them more than anything else. Right. Yeah. You know, that, it's just that, it that basic human universal situation yeah. at the core it's of it. It's telling a story about a man coming to terms with losing the love and of his al- life. And also, and that's good what, versus evil on top of it. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be human? Well, what's the evil? Fucking magnets. That's not, that's not the How evil. How do they work? No, no. Where's, where's <laughs> evil in this? That's my question. I wouldn't say evil. Well, I mean, yeah. cancer in... Uh, the monkey. The, yeah, the, the monkey. The, the Spanish okay, the, the Spanish invasion. You don't... I guess that's true. You don't spend a lot of time with the, the Inquisitions, right. you know, in Well, actually, if but, you look at it this way, this gets really down in front of you. But you're the right. evil, the bad guy in this movie... Oh, dear. Our protagonist is Hugh Jackman, and he's basically well, fighting against is, the evil that is death. death. And he comes to understand death's point of he view. So understand. it's actually a very strong villain. Right. I guess that's because true. Because he comes to accept that yeah. the villain... Well, he realizes that fact, the villain isn't the bad guy. Yeah. This has been down in front. Yeah, nicely done. Wait, real quick. The next movie I want to talk about with you guys is Torque. I'm just saying. Torque. The opposite of this movie. (laughs) Joseph Kahn? Yes, Joseph Kahn. Hmm. You guys, are we done? 
Anything else? Any uh, last little drops of gold or white blood? Uh, I, I would say that a lot of people, a lot of times people tend to focus on the metaphoric and the different levels and what does this mean and, and this, that, and they ignore the fact that at the center that you have to have that, it's a that situation. Yeah. And it's like, you can have that situation and then if you do it really well, then you have all the metaphor and the details and levels. But don't start with that stuff up in the stratosphere. Yeah. Start with the situation. Start with the story and then make it weird. Brian, <laughs> don't. Perfect movie? Yes, absolutely. Dorkman? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd say so. Steve, does this achieve everything it sets out to do? Yeah, substance, per- style, complexity, simplicity, fantastic, mundane. It does contrast, sweet and sour, crunchy <laughs> and soft. You know, The Fountain is a perfect movie, and this has been Down In Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Find us on iTunes. Get a brand new episode every single week. We're on Twitter with links every single week. You can go to Cafe Press, buy a shirt, go to our store and buy a DVD so we get a buck. Go to the forum and involve yourself with the conversation. Join ourselves up. Download the sh- or oh. look at the show notes for oh, Matt. Oh, uh, let me also say, if you, um, if you do enjoy The Fountain, or you've decided you enjoy it now, having heard uh, this conversation, there's no, there is no director's commentary on the dvd because I, I politics they or wouldn't something, let him they wouldn't let him so he did one of his own oh. and released it online so you can find I think you can find that at zarban.com you can find it at zarban.com um so uh if you like it go check it out it's an official one i don't think you have to pay for it i think, I think it's, it's free. free but um so you know hear what he has to say oh um cool. oh and you're, you're pimping the amazon.com and i was going to say movies that i think live in this universe of complex mundane awesome but simple you know all that stuff and also these deep themes neon genesis evangelion either the tv show or the movie 1.11 which just came out on blu-ray in america uh donnie darko and the matrix everyone's seen donnie darko on the matrix but neon genesis is a, is a similar it's a giant take the fountain and make giant robot action inside of it evangelion is, is a slow burn though <laughs> that's a that's takes its time let me yeah. tell you so. and my name is steve christie uh brian vitter uh, scott steven rudy this has been down in front thank you very much for listening good night good night Wait, was I supposed to hit the record button on that? Trendsinyourhead.com.